Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Everybody, it's Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and you're listening to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. It's out in the night out. You're tuned in to Wrestle Talk. 657-383-1521. We'll be discussing WWE, NXT, Lucha Underground, ROH, Fantasy Wrestling, and we'll have some of the best damn interviews professional and independent wrestling that you've ever heard. And I'm Joe Lance. Ladies and gentlemen, buckle your seatbelts, keep your arms in the vehicle at all times. Wrestle Talk begins in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this week's episode of the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I'm the maestro, Jeremy Carp. Thank you all for listening wherever you are listening to us at and from. Later on, we're going to have the Night Owl Renee in here. He's kind of working out some technical stuff, but you know he wouldn't miss a show if he couldn't. So, I got to say, we got so many amazing guests tonight. We got some Hall of Famers on tonight. Because the Wrestle Talk podcast, in cooperation with the Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame, we will be having the Giant Assassin and Mr. Big tonight. Oh, wait a minute. I am getting word the Night Owl is arrived. Renee, you there, buddy? that's on this show and in the wrestling world as a whole with the utmost respect 
we got ourselves a amazing montage for them. That's and I right, want to show gentlemen. everybody out there the living proof is right here. Yes, I just got through with a grueling match. One of the toughest matches I've ever been in before in my professional wrestling career. And I work hard for my money. I take my lumps and bruises just like anybody else. I ask no quota. I give no quota. Anybody out there on the face of God's green earth doesn't believe in professional wrestling. Well, just step on in here with Hacksaw Butch Reed and let's relieve all your skepticism and leave it all behind. North American heavyweight champion, Hacksaw Butch Reed. The Hacksaw, powerfully built individual, former pro football player, former All-American. The winners and new world tag team champions, Ron Simmons, Butch Reed, the team of two. wonderful montage um, that we wanted to play, Jeremy. And listen, I know you as the uh, as kind of the head honcho over at I-70 Sports Media, you cover all sports uh, in the Midwest and beyond. Man, can, in a few words, before we move on with the show, you tell us how significant this loss is, not just to the pro wrestling community, but also to the African-American community. Uh, because we are indeed celebrating Black History Month. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Renee. I mean, it is Black History Month, and like I said, it's not just you're feeling it in the Midwest. You are feeling this worldwide. Um, I had shared multiple tributes from wrestlers from all across different promotions on I-70 Sports Media on their on the Facebook and Twitter and whatnot because the impact was really felt. You know, Raw had a tribute to him. I'm sure Dynamite's going to sh- share something tomorrow night. And th- what's significant about him was because he was a trailblazer in the business. Him alongside Ron Simmons were just two iconic wrestlers. And, you know, whether it be in – the World Wrestling Federation, and World Championship Wrestling. But he was also a big star in Mid-South Wrestling. I mean, he was a college football player at UCM, the University of Central Missouri. So it's very significant, and anybody who went to go see the natural Butch Reed wrestle definitely was in for a treat, and he will be dearly missed. He will indeed. And for those that are asking about the 10 Bell. Guys, we tried to do the 10 bell for a long time, and it just doesn't hit the airwaves properly. So what we've been trying to do is either do a moment of silence or like a tribute video, and we were lucky enough to be able to get our hands on a good tribute video. So with that said, we tip our cap to the late, great uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed uh, of Kansas City Midwest fame, uh, former tag team partner of Ron Simmons and Doom, uh, managed by the Playa Playa. <laughs> And uh, you know what, dude? It, it's amazing to me that after all these years, bro, we've not forgotten to honor the OGs. And I think that that's something that we'll continue to do here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, bro, because they're the ones that laid the groundwork for everything that we're able to do today in the world of professional wrestling. 
With all that said, ladies and gentlemen, let's transition in quickly uh, and give a little bit more love, this time to some of our wonderful sponsors, uh, starting with Royal Mills Transportation, based out of Kansas City, for all your local, professional, clean transportation needs. Hit up our boy, Dewan Mills, over at Royal Mills Transportation. This beautiful mug, which Jeremy doesn't have one yet. He's going to he's gonna have to buck up and get himself a WrestleTalk Podcast mug. Guys, $20 plus shipping with your name engraved on it. Okay, absolutely customizable. Can't put like the whole alphabet on here, obviously. But if you got a nice name, something slick you want to put on it, twenty bucks plus shipping. That's uh, courtesy of our friends over at Rap Buns Engraving, uh, Kincaid at the Oak Park Mall, also Retro Zone for all your retro gaming and uh, vintage toy needs. Hit up those guys. Combat everything. Pat Milicic, UFC Hall of Famer, and of course our homeboy that's been with us in the very beginning. Jay Hollywood always showing us love. Esports Bar Casey, which is actually located in Shawnee, Kansas. We had to learn that the hard way, didn't we, Jeremy? You know, this is a funny thing. You th- you told me before the show today that I was going to take care of the sponsors, but I feel like there came a point where you were like, I, you don't trust me enough to do them, so you're doing I them do. yourself. But Bro, yeah. listen, listen. I know you're relatively new, but I do that. I will tease you and mess with you and have you putting together all these crazy notes, and then I'll just end up doing it anyway. <laughs> Dude, it's all good. I was going to say, I, only do I was studying this. You were ready. I did my well, research. Here's the, here's the beauty of this situation. I wanted to take the pressure off of you at the beginning of the show because I know I always get kind of like sweaty palm syndrome at the beginning of the show, like the first 10, 15 minutes. So you can still do it. But how about right after intermission? Are you cool with that? Because I, I, I want to give you the opportunity if you really want to do it. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. After intermission, <laughs> I got you, buddy. I sense, I sense that there was a part of you that wanted to be like, you know what? I'm good. But I appreciate you saying yes now, anyway. <laughs> I'm backing down from a challenge. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And you know what? I'm not Drake Lee. I'm not going to run you down. Okay, if you want an opportunity, bro, to, to show your, your medal, then, hey, this is the damn place to do it. I'll tell you what. Last but not least, Amen. the FWWC, the world's premier fantasy wrestling promotion. More information on them over at WrestleTalkPodcast.com forward slash fantasy wrestling. That's right. Well, with all that said, Jeremy, I think it's time to do what we always do about this time, where we ask everybody to please respectfully remove their cap, place their hands over their hearts, as we pay homage to the greatest country on God's green earth, and that's America, damn it. Oh, oh, say can you see and the rocket red Uh oh. I'll make up for it now. For the land of the free. You know, one day I feel, I keep telling myself, I'm like, one day he's going to get through it. He's going to get through the end of, he never does. He never does. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, who knows? We, We may end up getting flagged for that for copyright before we get a chance to hear him get through the end of it. So. Just keep I'm holding out. We didn't get flagged for breathing because people have breathed before us. <laughs> yeah, bro, I saw you said that. You're like, we're going to get flagged for breathing because somebody – dude, I thought – dude, you should have saved – okay, you know what? You did save it for the show. I appreciate that, bro. That was, 
that was real. I was like, man, he's right. He's like, if we breathe a certain way, bro, that's it. We're going to get flagged. show's going to go off the air. We're going to be ruined. Ruined, I tell you. Okay, enough of that. Oh, too, 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 too dramatic. Too dramatic. <laughs> I'm doing too much. Well, Jeremy, I think you know what time it is, bro. We got a lot of pro wrestling to discuss. Why don't you go and hit people with that phone number, baby, as we get into tonight's edition of the Wrestle Talk Podcast High Spot segment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to, to you want to call in, you just have to call us at 657-383-1521 to interact with us. We want to hear from you. We've got some amazing guests. We've got some amazing segments. There is a lot to talk about, and there's just a limited amount of time. So come on in. Call. Mic check, mic check. Yeah. All right, all right. WrestleTalk Podcast. DJ Money. Yeah. Let's go. Welcome to high spots where we pop news like flare shots. We talk shop, coming through the screens of a laptop. And non-stop, like I wanna speak to the black dot. We hit hard like care shots and backdrops. Like your clock flash, feel like a belly flop. Now that's hard. We up to speed while they stay slow. Wrestle talk podcast, now they know. We about to start the show. Uh. about Lars Sullivan getting released. Oh, boy. I guess that's where we're going to start, huh? Okay. We have Let to. Me I mean, it is the biggest. And you know what? Actually, hold your thought because I'm going to actually have to explain to the listeners what exactly went down with all this because I'm not going to lie. It is a tumultuous roller coaster sequence of events that led to this. So hold in for one second, buddy. So this is what happened, folks. All right, Lars right. Sullivan was pushed for the longest time as this monster heel because, you know, WWE has never had a monster heel before in their business. Anyway, Lars Sullivan was pushed as this big monster heel. He was a b- big-time star in NXT. He gets pushed to the main roster the night after WrestleMania 35. He attacked Kurt Angle during Kurt Angle's retirement speech. The next few weeks, he attacked some of the top baby faces on Raw. Yada, yada, yada. Then what happens? Boom. He vanishes. So this is what happened. He was sidelined because he was very outspoken on certain internet message boards. There were a lot of posts that he had that were unearthed. There were some very bad remarks on here, racist and homophobic remarks. It ain't going to go over. That's, what, that's a little too heelish. Let's put it that way. And a little too asshole-ish. Um... So, nevertheless, he was taken off everything. You didn't hear from him for months. Then they found out that Lars Sullivan had, was a male porn star. I'm not even going to go in details on that one. No, thank you. Um, wait, nevertheless. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Before you continue, uh-oh. I have to ask. So, wait. <laughs> I'm just trying to get my facts straight here. Okay, so. 
making homophobic comments. <laughs> but then got in trouble for doing homophobic or I'm sorry, homosexual porn. Am I am I getting all this straight, bro? Because I my head is spinning right now. I'm very confused. How can you hate what you are? I mean, I guess a lot of people hate themselves. I, that's not, not anything really new. But how does that even make any sense, Jeremy? Am I missing context here, bro? I'm very confused. I'm very confused. I, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm not going to personally ask him. That's one thing I'm not going to do. <laughs> I believe, you better not. I think one happened not. before the other in the sense that, you know, the way the Internet works, everything can get unearthed somehow, and that is what happened. And, yeah, it just – the whole thing wasn't pretty, just like probably Lars Sullivan's career outside the WWE. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, yeah, he was taking off everything, but it wasn't until just last week that Lars Sullivan was finally released. Now, I also must admit he did also deal with some uh, mental health issues that caused him to have breakdowns backstage. He was going to have a match with John Cena at WrestleMania 36, but that got nixed. And or I believe it actually might have been WrestleMania 35. Nevertheless, the match was nixed because of continuing backstage issues. So nevertheless, what was supposed to be a big-time star in WWE turned out to be a big-time flop, and... Lars Sullivan is no more in WWE, and I think considering all the baggage he carries, please don't take that into any other context. I must say, I don't know what's going to happen outside the ring. So, Night Owl, what are your thoughts on that lovely story I just presented to you? Oh, my gosh. I think my head is about to explode. You didn't help me get any more clarity about this situation, but I appreciate the the earnest effort there, uh, Maestro. Here's what I'll say. Our friends uh, over at uh, Fightful, Fightful Select, have a little bit more information on Lars Sullivan's statement post-release. Now, I'm not going to go ahead and give you guys the whole story. Uh, You guys can go and check them out uh, over at Fightful and uh, get the whole story. But let me give you a couple of snippets. So apparently, when he talked to them, it's, again, Fightful Select, okay, Uh, They have a Patreon page. You can get more information on that there. But he said, and I quote, that he felt that the company went ahead with his release, compassion and honesty. So he also revealed that he has gotten, or he was dealing with some crippling anxiety issues that really got the best of him. Um, He also admitted that he is his own worst enemy. And uh, also revealed, and I think this is probably the most telling part of it all, that he believes that his pro wrestling career is probably over. So for those of you that were hoping for a Miro-type return, Lars Sullivan over to AEW, you're not going to get it. It sounds like he's pretty much done with the business, and the business is pretty much done with him. What I will say about this situation before we move on a couple other high spots, Jeremy, is this. I'm not sure what he said on those message boards. And I'll be honest with you, with the advent of cancel culture over the last five to seven years, I would actually like to see what it is that he said. Because people take things nowadays and misconstrue them. And, you know, it's like, I think we might have talked about this once before, 
But I think there is almost a contest. I call it the victimization Olympics, where everyone's trying to find more of a reason to be like, all right, all right let, me, let me give you a movie reference. You remember in Deadpool, uh, where Deadpool meets the, the real hot bartender, and they start dating each other, and they keep competing about whose life is shittier? You, you know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? I know you're a Deadpool fan. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I feel like a lot of people do that. Not to say that Lars Sullivan is innocent on any charges, but I'm not going to go ahead and assume that he's guilty on all charges either. Because WWE has been known to release people under questionable circumstances, to say the least. What I can tell you is, hopefully he's not using the anxiety mental issue thing as a crutch, which I've seen quite a lot of recently as well. What I will say from a personal perspective is, I always love this theme song, and I feel like it's a damn shame because we don't have enough great big men in the business right now, okay? You can count them off in one hand right now, and I don't know what you consider a big man. Let's say everybody over 6'6". You've got uh, Drew McIntyre, Keith Lee, Bobby Lashley, Baron Corbin, and after that, uh, Braun Strowman. uh, And then after that, the list, as far as that company, starts to get pretty darn short. I know Keith Kane showed up at the Royal Rumble, but I wouldn't necessarily count him. Undertaker is gone. Then you got almost Damian Priest though. Wrestle, got you got Damian Priest coming up. Da- Damian Priest, right. But what I'm saying is it's going to take you some time to even get to 10. Right? It's right. going to take you I time to even get to 10, big guys. So, so it's unfortunate, Jeremy, in my opinion, because you can always use more good big men in the business. This is one that, unfortunately, we're never going to see come to fruition. And I think, honestly, that's a little sad regardless of the circumstances uh, surrounding his departure from the world of uh, professional wrestling. We, the way I look at it, it's one of those cases where, you know, you see this with wrestlers who have an injury that ends their career. So where you, at a young age to where you never know what their full potential could be. And in this case of Lars Sullivan, while it's not an injury, it's definitely something to where, like he said, his professional wrestling career is probably done. We will never know the magnitude of how, like the potential, the ceiling of where he could have gone in the business. But the way I look at it, when you're being booked to WrestleMania against John Cena, the company had really high hopes for you. Really high expectations for you. And even if the messages that were sent were like those homophobic or racist remarks were sent well before this whole con- the whole thing about him being the WWE and whatnot happened, you know, it's a character thing that WWE doesn't want to deal with because it'll look back badly on them. They don't want to have Lars Sullivan as this dominant superstar, maybe eventually a champion, and then everybody like, yeah, but look at all the remarks he's made in the past. How can you support this? They turn it off or something. You just don't know, and WWE just doesn't want to take that chance. Um, I'm glad mean, he's not going mean, to go to AEW. Well, real quick, do you, do you feel like – do you mean like kind of like what they did to, to Kevin Hart at the Emmys a couple of years ago where they like found some tweet from like – 2004, and we're like, you're fired. I'm like, dude, ridiculous. Some of this stuff is ridiculous. Is that kind of what you're alluding to? I think it also depends. Yes, I am alluding to it, but I'm also looking at it as by the scale. I don't exactly know what the tweet said. 
Um, I don't believe you do as well. I know you just mentioned that you were wondering what they said. So yeah. it's just all, it's about interpretation. And at the same time, you know, it's hard to tell a tone of a person through behind a keyboard. You know, it's hard to tell like how somebody like when we're here right now, you know, live and whatnot, you can hear the tone in our voices. You can tell what we're saying and how we say it and how we mean it because we're verbally expressing it. But if we're on the computer typing it up, you don't know. Are we serious? Are we sarcastic? Are we assholes in a funny way or actually just cruel people, you know? So that's kind of the situation. It's a very complicated one for Lars Sullivan, but in the end, he's released from WWE, and his career in professional wrestling is basically over. Unfortunate, absolutely unfortunate, particularly for those like myself that are fans of the bigger guys in professional wrestling. Let's jump in. Let's jump into the next topic, if you don't mind. I'll take it uh, from here, Jeremy, with the next topic, and this one is coming to us from one of our faithful members of the WrestleTalk family. And the question is simple. The story was shared to us, Jeremy, and it's pertaining to Selena Vega. And the story reports that she's seen little to no interest from other professional wrestling companies around the world. I know we got a couple other things you got to hit in the next few minutes, but, bro, why in the world does nobody seem to want the services of the uber-talented, uber-lovely, one of the few well-trained managers in pro wrestling today, Zelina Vega. What's wrong with Zelina Vega? I don't think there's a damn thing wrong with her. I think as a manager, she is probably one of the best that the industry has had in the past few years, honestly. And, you know, having her on Raw, yeah, she was an annoying, annoying pain in the butt, but in the way to where I've said this constantly on this show. There's such a thing as heel heat and go away heat. She had heel heat. King Corbin has go away heat. The heat we don't want you on this show. Not because we don't like you as a wrestler, but because we just you annoy us. You're not entertaining us as a bad guy. Selena Vega, as a bad you know as a heel, was very entertaining. You know and when she was managing both Andrade and Angel Garza, I mean, it was entertaining because she was able to showcase her talents on the mic as well as just being able to manage, you know, some up-and-coming stars in the company while being an up-and-coming star herself. You know, this isn't going – I'm not trying to knock AEW on this. I'm honestly not because, you know, I like AEW. But you don't have many young managers – on Dynamite, you know, you got Tully Blanchard, you got Taz, you got Jake Roberts, and like I said, they're all doing a great job, not knocking them, but my point being was Zelina Vega, she was able, she's only 30 years old, she has so much potential left in her and nowhere to go but up, and it's unfortunate that no professional wrestling promotion at this time wants her talents because she is very talented. And she can cross over to so many different demographics and audiences. Well, here's here's what you're going to love about this twofold, Jeremy. Uh, number one, um, I agree with you wholeheartedly because she was not only a great manager, she's also opening up the door for some of the Latino. 
you could ever want from a professional wrestler to give him a front woman, not necessarily a front man, but a front woman that can do some of his right. dirty work when it comes to cutting promos. Bro, what's going to happen to guys like Andrade and, and, and Garza? We got Garza piggybacking with Miz and, and, and Morrison right now. We haven't seen Andrade on TV for a good little while. I mean, it, it's kind of sad because guys like that, not only is she great, but guys like that need someone like her. I think to help carry them, okay, to help carry them where they're lacking, and it's unfortunate that we've got one last less person that can do that. Very similar to the uh, to the Lars Sullivan situation. We need more big guys. We need better managers. It never hurts to have a great looking Latina on your television. Let's just be honest. And, and the <laughs> fact that it. she's now gone, the, the fact that she's now gone, and, the, and actually, you know what? I actually want to bring on a caller to discuss the situation. I think. It'll do us well to have a little bit of a woman's perspective on this. So, uh, Engineer Hoss, do me a favor and bring on one of our most loyal listeners to the show, the one and only Susie Hoss. Hey, Night Owl, how you doing? And uh, Jeremy, good to talk to you again. Good talking to you, Susie. How you doing? You know, I'm doing great. You know, the way I read the story, Night Owl, it said that uh, Selena was doing some work with a third-party website, and she was abdicating for, like, a wrestling union for wrestlers. So I guess WWE saw her as kind of a troublemaker and, you know, somebody that, in their opinion, doesn't necessarily have their best interest at heart. And, you know, I mean, with a union, of course, you know, they would have to negotiate with unions and contracts and things like that. So I guess they figured she's trying to make it a little more difficult on them, and that's why they got rid of her. And it's hard to tell if the other wrestling places, you know, may have heard this and thought, uh, 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 that's a troublemaker, we're not going to have it. So, you know, it's, it's kind of sad, though, because like you said, she really is uber-talented. Wow. Well, thank you, Susie, for joining us with those thoughts. Uh, I know we'll probably hear again from you in the second hour of the show uh, as we do have our first our guests uh, ready to come on here in just a matter of moments. But you know what, Maestro? I think our sis just nailed it. I think she absolutely just hit it right on the head. I don't think it's her talent. I don't think it's her appearance. I don't think it's her, her, her management ability. I think it's all directly tied back to that part of the story, which I happen to have forgotten about. I forgot why it was that she was released. Well, maybe. I kind of initially... Uh, thought of the fact that it was over streaming, right? Uh, when they were taking the streaming rights from only everybody. Fans, I believe. Right, right. And then there was Twitch controversy and things like that. Everything had to happen on right. the WWE platform or whatever. But then Susie's 100% right. Then she started talking stuff about, well, if they're going to take this away from me that I've had even before I joined the company, and now that when I'm blah, 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 maybe we need a wrestler's union. And the U word. <laughs> The U word is probably the one word that you do not want to use with a billionaire like Vince McMahon. I'm sure that had a lot to do with her uh, or has a lot to do with her maybe not getting the offers that she would otherwise in the world of pro wrestling. What do you think, Maestro? So I'm, I agree, and I'm going to tell you kind of in a – how do I put it? Kind of like an allusion to it, kind of something that's almost exactly similar. So, wrote an article today about the late Kirk Flood. He was a baseball outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals, Washington Senators, whatnot. But what he was most famous for 
was when he took Major League Baseball to the Supreme Court because he refused to be traded to another team. It was because, and he lost the case, unfortunately. But what happened was after that court case, he was blacklisted from Major League Baseball. He made he played 13 games after, never played baseball again. And despite that, it was because of his efforts that free agency became a thing about four to six years later in the mid-70s. Free agency in baseball happened because of Kirk Flood's efforts. So when you talk about unionizing in professional wrestling, and like you both brought up, unionizing is not something that the big men billionaires in professional wrestling like to hear. Any Because they love control. Vince McMahon yep. loves to control. And if he can't control you, he doesn't want to have any part of you. I mean, WWE basically went out. We were on the show talking about this when around the time this happened, that WWE basically said, look, we own you. And, you know, as fans, we're thinking to ourselves, man, what a dick move to say. Like, because you're owning not just their characters, but their likeness, what they are, but not just their character or their likeness, but them themselves. Like, they can't go on these platforms. And Xavier Woods, for example, is a well-known example because he's on G4. He's doing all the Twitch streaming and the video games and everything, and he's widely popular. And for Zelina Vega, it was for OnlyFans. It was for her streaming. Paige had the same thing pretty much for the same websites. So I agree with both of you that, you know, when Vince McMahon and I'm sure other big-time owners would probably feel the same way, if they can't control you, they don't want anything to do with you. And I think there might be some behind-the-scenes blacklisting going on against her in the professional wrestling industry. Yeah, well, this reeks of Colin Kaepernick in the uh, professional wrestling world. Would, would you agree with that statement to a sense? I, I would, I believe, because she is trying to stand up, you know, much like Kaepernick standing up for what he believes in. Zelina no, Vega. no, Jeremy, Jeremy, he, he didn't stand, he kneeled. He, come on, come on now. <laughs> no. For him, kneeling. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, of all the hosts. Fucking bullshit! Thank oh, come you. on, that was a Thank good you. joke. <laughs> I don't think that, I don't but think yes, that I agree with you. <laughs> Dude, oh, oh man, are you starting, are you, are you starting to miss Drake yet, bro, or are we good? Uh, not reached that point yet, but I mean, we're driving down that road. <laughs> Although you and I both oh, know Jeremy, how bad the weather is around here, so the roads aren't that good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My bad, bro. I couldn't help myself. Well, uh, Susie, thank I mean, you for joining good. us again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, here's here's the thing. I know we're going to talk to her here uh, in, just, in just a few minutes in the second hour. Hopefully, we can get her on for a little FWWC business. But uh, for the moment, dude, it is time to move on to our first featured guest of the evening. And you know what, Jeremy? I'm going to go ahead and, uh, and let you go up first to bat here with this introduction um, because clearly this coverage that we're going to be doing about the uh, Midwest Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame is going to happen over the next couple of weeks, and it's going to be special. So, bro, why don't you go ahead and kick us off properly with our very first guest? All righty. So, ladies and gentlemen, he was an amateur wrestler in high school, 
But he was introduced to the world of professional wrestling through his powerlifting coach. He is a member of the 2020 class of the Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame. And he is a big time, he is like family to the WrestleTalk podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to introduce to you tonight for our first guest, Mr. Big. How you doing, Mr. Big? I'm good. How are you gentlemen this evening? Wonderful. Thank you for joining us this evening. Very excited to have you, Mr. Big. Welcome. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So, Renee, you want me to kick it off or you want to do the honors? Absolutely, bro. Go right ahead. I know you're chopping out the bit with some questions. And uh, I'm going to get back with some of our folks here watching us on social media, which, by the way, whether you're watching this live or you're watching the replay, we love you just the same. Thank you for supporting us here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. Go ahead, Jeremy. Awesome. I appreciate it. So, Mr. Big, I got a question for you to kick it off. So, let's put it this way What do you remember about watching professional wrestling when you were a youngster? Uh, the the things that got me originally was just the I, I was I was a big sports kid so I watched you know every sport I could find on TV and once I found wrestling it became more of the the man on man mentality of it and of course you know back then uh, it, it was real you know it wasn't uh, advertised as anything but that and so right. it, it gave a different mentality than what uh, it does today. Okay. You, uh, yeah, and honestly, like... oh, go ahead. Say the if you've ever like followed me on my Facebook page, the um, the match that really did it for me was uh, Harley Race did a kangaroo match with uh, I believe it was David Von Erich and his father Chris, and um, <clears throat> to, to me Harley was one of the all-time greats without a doubt and uh, I always refer to Harley as a, as a great dancer because the, his movements in the ring are just so beautiful and it's almost like a ballet dancer at times with his moves and this particular match um, him and David go back and forth in the, in the first part of the bout and then uh, Harley does his patented diving headbutt and David catches him with the claw coming off the top rope, or on the second rope. And Harley's hands Harley's never go hands back up to his head. And as you sit and watch, all of a sudden, you just start seeing trickles of blood coming down the side of Harley's face. And his whole face then becomes a mass of blood. And you've just got David with his hand on his forehead and nothing else. And you're like going, oh, my God, this is so real, you know. And and that was the match that hooked me. It, it brought me in. I go, you know, this is this is just great. And and that's from that point on, it's hard to find a match for me um, that matches that intensity and the and the storytelling. 
Yeah, and I agree on Harley Race. I had the pleasure of meeting him multiple times, and he was definitely someone who gave pretty much his life for the industry. Definitely one of the best in-ring technicians you could ever, you know, have the pleasure of watching. Yes. And totally agree. I, I you know, I, I just love the way Harley maneuvered in the ring. Uh, you know, as a I consider myself to be a real um I don't I don't know what what term I want to use here but I love to watch the matches. I don't I always get wrapped up in them. I like to watch which is totally different, you know, people are on their feet yelling and screaming and I'm going to be the guy in the corner with my my head on my on my uh, on my wrist watching it, not making a sound. If you get a pop out of me, then you've really got something big because I love to watch the intensity and, and the storytelling and, and what's going on during the match. It's, you know, I think that's as big of, as, you know, doing the moves. That's what draws the people in. That's what people love. Right. And honestly, I can, if I may, I think a good name, term to call that kind of a traditionalist. I mean, you kind of see it in Japan a lot with, like, New Japan. You know, the crowds, even when there's, like, 60,000, you know, at the Tokyo Dome, they have their own style of watching the wrestling. They don't constantly get up on their feet, and they're not on their phones all the time. They just they sit there. They watch the ring psychology. They watch the technical work at its finest. And then when the match is over or if there's a real big-time spot in the match, that's when the excitement hits and they get on their feet. Other than that, you know, they just sit and watch. And they're still so heavily invested into the product. Absolutely. Those are my kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> um, so I got my next question for you. You were introduced to the world of professional wrestling through your powerlifting coach. And yes. is that correct? Well, I, I mean, as far as going beyond television, yeah, that was my right. uh, introduction into actually getting into the pro wrestling ring and, you know, and working out, performing in that. Well, that's awesome. That, and I you was, got uh, the opportunity. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, I was just going to kind of add on to that, but you go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just out of high school and, uh, there, uh, I lived in kind of rural area, <clears throat> excuse me, and uh, so I was doing powerlifting. Uh, I'd always been a, a weightlifter and that, and so um, there were some ladies that worked out at the gym with us that we knew and had overheard us talking about wrestling, and they kind of helped me uh, meet some of my first pro wrestlers. Um, but uh, Gary, my instructor, said, Hey, my son-in-law, uh, his name was Don Stock. Uh, he was known in St. Louis at that time from South Broadway as the Mad Russian, at NUCO, the Mad Russian. And uh, he goes, if you're really interested in it, you know, I will call him up and we'll set up a time. You can meet with him up there and see what you think. So I was like, oh, heck yeah. You know, I, I was anxious. You know, I, I wanted to see what this was all about. So, you know, I drive up to South Broadway. I lived uh, an hour or so away. And uh, I go in, and I don't see anything going on. And I ask this lady, I'm like, Where, are there any wrestlers here or anything? She goes, oh, yeah, go, go over here and go in the back. It's in the back room. So 
I make the turn to go into the back room, and there it is, the ring set up, and there's six or eight guys in the ring working together on moves and, uh, you know, their game. And as I look, it, it reminds me of something that I expected to see, um, you know, like Al Capone or somebody sitting in it. It's a, it's a big smoke-filled room. All these tables are there with the older wrestlers sitting around playing cards, smoking cigarettes, and it's got the little ceiling fan going around. And and I felt like Dorothy coming out of the house of the Wizard of Oz. It was just like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool, you know. And um, so I, I located Don and talked to him, and he goes, well, you know, just sit here and watch with me for a little bit, and then I'll introduce you to a couple of the guys you can get in the ring, and, you know, we'll, we'll get you started. And so uh, I sit and just watched, and I was like, you know, just in total awe. And uh, eventually Don puts me in the ring, and he goes, well, he said, there's a newer guy here that's a great trainer, and we want you to, to start with him. His name is Gary Jackson. And uh, so I got in with Gary, and uh, so oh, Gary's teaching me the, to do the lockup. And uh, so, you know, I had done, you know, high school, intramurals, AAU, all kinds of wrestling. And, you know, I was a farm boy and stuff, you know, lifted weights and put up hay, all that kind of stuff. So I was all pumped up, and they said, Here, uh, here's Chris Dyson. Um, practice your up with him. And uh, so Gary goes, I'm you know, and I'll watch. And so, you know, I jumped in and I grabbed Chris in a lockup, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, he goes, you need to lighten up a whole lot, brother, you know. And uh, I, so it, it took me a while to understand that even though, they, you know, there, there's a specific way you work. And if you don't work that way, they teach you, they teach you that you should work that way. I, I think is the best way I can put it. And uh, so I eventually learned how to do uh, the, the pro-style wrestling techniques, and uh, I, I learned to work really light, and uh, that was one of the things that I was really good at. And, uh, of course, I never wanted to hurt anybody anyway, so uh, I didn't, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I was hitting stuff light. So it just, uh, I just kept working on it, and, you know, I, I tried to uh, go up and, and go to the training when I could. I, you know, work schedules and, of course, being an hour or so away, it was always hard to, to do all that. But uh, I did for a while and then uh, just kind of uh, I would drive up and uh, Tony Casa, who, who ran the show in, in South Broadway, would uh, have the matches lined up and the guys would be working on their matches. And when they were done, it was kind of everybody just left, you know, and so – I'm there trying to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do? And sometimes there might be somebody, you know, there that could show me something. Sometimes I just had to get my car and go back, but at least I'd got to sit there for two or three hours and watch what was going on. You know, even, even the guys that were hilarious, like Dave Dumpshark Perry, who's, who's a legend and, and probably not thought of as much as of a technical wrestler. Uh, I watched Dave do things. Uh, he, he could do the uh, knee drop to the forehead as well as Harley Race or Ric Flair. I mean, he was incredible. And I would just sit there and I'm like, how is he not knocking this guy's skull loose, you know? And uh, you just learn from being around the guys. And, uh, you know, I picked up on stuff there. And uh, just time kind of passed. And eventually my love for the 
sport got me the better of me, and you know, I, I found a different avenue to go down to learn how to do it. But you know, that was my roots. That's awesome. I mean, somebody, I, I love like the journey you took because it is kind of unconventional. You know, the circumstances that led you to where you're at. You know, everybody forges their own path, and, you know, yours is unique, and it leads to a lot of great stories. And before I pass it to Renee, there's one story i got to ask you about, and this one, this is quite interesting. So I heard a story that you rented a garage, put up a boxing ring, and would regularly work out in that ring. So what motivated you to do that? Uh, Well, this this was kind of the next step from when uh, what we were taught or what I was just talking about was, you know, I'd go to South Broadway and spend all the time there uh, and not really get to be in the ring. And that. so I, um, I, I knew so, uh, some local athletic directors, um, city athletic directors. And one of them, uh, as I was talking to him, told me, he goes, I've got an old boxing ring over here you can have. Uh, and set up and, and use it if you want to. And so uh, I was able to find a, it was a kind of an auto paint repair shop that wasn't being used, and I could rent it for $100 a month. So uh, I ran an ad in the paper, and it was like, you know, anybody interested in training and that, you know, contact me. And I had uh, 10 or 12 guys interested, and so, you know, we all spent $10 a month. And you know, rented the place, and we set up the 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 boxing ring, which was nothing more really than just two by fours that were on the floor turned you know sideways with with uh, across them. And then we had the foam and the matting, and then the uh, we had regular corner turnbuckles, but because the flooring was concrete, it was really hard to anchor them in with any um, strength. So to say we did anything other than just come off the ropes would be uh, a, a far fetch. There was no way to climb the ropes or do anything real fascinating. But um, I, I always felt like we need to get the in-ring stuff done before you do anything fancy. You know, just learn how to you know how to do all the moves. You know, how to do counters and all that. And so we would meet over there at. Uh, different times and if it was hot you put the garage door up and you know get a breeze through and if it was cold you left everything down and uh you know maybe brought a blanket to keep wraps up on you know because we didn't have much forms of heat and uh you know like you said it, it was it was what we had to do you know we had a an old style boom box that we put cassettes in to, for entrance music and we had a couple of sofas and some folding chairs and you know we'd have some friends and family come over and watch and uh, you know, you just you, you tried to do the best you could, you know, with, with the, the amount of people and the, the knowledge that we had. But we learned as we went, and you know, that's the, that's all you can ask for at that point is to do, you know, to get the most out of what you can, what you have to work with. Awesome. Right, I totally get you on that. That is awesome. Well, Night Owl, as much as I love talking to Mr. Big, I think I'm gonna hand it to you on this one. Because I know you got plenty of questions yourself. I, I do, brother. I appreciate it. You had a couple of great questions yourself. Go ahead, Mr. Big. What do you want to say? Oh, I was just going to say it was nice talking with you, and I'm ready for the, for, to hear from the next fellow. Let's do uh, it. All right. Great well, question. No, indeed, Jerry. Great questions, bro. Well, Mr. Big, I want to get right into it because I heard you reference 
your 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 farm boy, country boy background, and coming yep. from a bit of a similar background, I, I'm Latino. I was actually born in Mexico on a farm myself. How do you feel like being a farm kid and the work that goes along with that benefited you once you got into the world of professional wrestling? I'm curious. Well, we grew up, or actually I grew up with my mom and dad. All my brothers and sisters were gone by the time I was of any age. And uh, we we had a 250-acre farm and usually had uh, at least 100 or 200 head of cattle. And so... Uh, well, my dad worked for the railroad, and he was on a derailment group, so whenever a train would be derailed, he may be gone to get it back on the rails and take it to the shop, and he may be gone for two or three straight days. So wow. um, I kind of became the guy. You know, if the tractor didn't start, I may have to go down and grab four bales of hay and walk across the fields in the snow, and I'd put a miner's hat on so I could have a light. And, you know, you might walk you know, uh, uh, 10 acres carrying four bales of hay at a time, put an axe on my hip to chop the pond so the cows could get something to drink and have that miner's hat on so I could see through the snow. And you might have to make two or three trips, you know. And you just, you, you did that kind of stuff all the time. You know, if a county vaccinated, if you couldn't uh, wrestle him down, you pinned him against the, the, the boards in the loading dock. And I'd hold him there while Dad would give him shots or whatever they needed done. And, uh, you know, it was a lot of hard work. You know, I bailed hay during the summer, and I played pretty much in every sport that I did during high school. And, uh, you know, then, uh, you know, I just spent a lot of time during the summers. I bailed hay. I did the uh, AAU Olympics. Um, I, I just I always stayed busy doing sports. It's always been a love of mine. And, uh, I, you know, it's, I don't know, I just, I love the competitiveness of it. You know, I've never been a, a sore loser, but I hate to lose. You know, if I was going to go out and spend my time to play, I wanted to win. You want to win. And, uh, but if somebody was better than me on that day, you know, that's fine. Just be ready for the next day. Man, that, that bring your lunch pail to work you know, blue-collar work ethic. Uh, it obviously paid dividends for you, and I would be remiss if I didn't go from the very beginning of your career to right, right to the end, uh, because we are trying to highlight the, the, the special um, nature of what the Midwest Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame is doing, uh, which 2020 honoree, right? You were honored. Uh, and I'm curious right. to know, think, thinking about those humble beginnings and then working your way through your career and getting this sort of honor, I, I imagine that meant a great deal to you, uh, right, uh, Mr. Big? Oh, yeah. When uh, when uh, I was told about it, I was pretty much speechless. Um, it was a real honor to me. And uh, it's it's kind of like, when, when you're a kid, you have those dreams of, you know, um, you know, hitting that fastball off Nolan Ryan to win, you know, a series or a game or something or scoring the goal or the basket or, or you know, you had those things. But wrestling was different because wrestling being so real back then, you didn't go, oh, man, I want to get in the ring with Dick the Bruiser. 
you know, <laughs> that wasn't one of your thought processes. You're like, I want to watch these guys. I want to watch these men get in there and go at it, you know. And so it was a, a completely different, um, you know, mentality as a kid. But I was so drawn in by it uh, that, you know, you, you just find that when you wanted to get into it, that with learning, fortunately, I was, like I said, I had wrestled, I had a, a good amateur wrestling background. So I, I knew how to do switches and reverses and, you know, fireman's carries and all these, you know, pick a single leg and all that kind of stuff. But there's so much more to it. And you have to rely on the veterans and, the, you know, your elders to tell you and teach you that kind of stuff. And and that's where the hard work comes in. Whatever, whenever you get into the sport, you, if you're the guy that does all the, the flips and, you know, all the, the acrobatic moves, okay, you've still got things you've got to learn. And if you're the guy that does the ground and pound, you still got things to learn. If if you're the guy that can't do either one really good, then you need to learn how to, to tell stories really good. You need to be on the mic really good. So you really, every day you had to work on whatever your character needed to be able to do better. And, and that's what would, would drive me. Uh, I used to work overnight, and I used to get a lot of mic time. And so I would be working, and my coworkers would, would think I'm going nuts because I'd be practicing my promos while I'm stocking shelves and doing oddball <laughs> stuff, you know, and, uh, and and looking for just those right words. And I would spend the entire week knowing, hey, I'm going to do, you know, a promo to start the show or whatever, and this is my message I need to get across. So I would want to make sure every single word that I was thinking was the word I wanted to say. You know, you, there there might be five options for it, but which one fits the mood I'm trying to get into? And, you, you know, I don't, I don't always, I didn't always have everything rehearsed, but I always wanted to have that first time that I grabbed the microphone. Uh, I wanted to be able to uh, get the crowd interested in what I'm doing, what's going to happen that night. And, you know, just, you know, my guys are coming out to do this and we're taking over and, you know, these kind of things. And I, I, I wanted them to be ready for it because kind of, I wanted to set that bad boy tone right off the bat because if, if, especially if you've got a new crowd and they don't know who the good guys and bad guys are, it's going to be a long night because they're not, they don't know who to root for or anything. And if I can come out and, be the super bad boy and then we had people like searcher and and uh, christian hayes and people that were the super superheroes the the uh, the babies that, that were just great you know and and they came across that way it, it just made for such good shows no a- absolutely and i think that's one of the many reasons that you were honored uh, in 2020 at the midwest independent wrestling hall of fame um, because we do have to respect your time, I have one final question, and then the shoot and shout segment where each of us get about 30 seconds to just rant about anything that's bothering us. It doesn't even have to be wrestling-related. So my final question to you, uh, Mr. Biggs, this, and hopefully we can continue this conversation in the near future because I feel like we're just scratching the surface here, but I wanted to ask you about your transition from professional wrestling because I know you did a lot of things there, and now – you spend your time working with uh, collectibles and autographs over at 
Stigs from the Bigs. Can you, whoops, pardon me, yeah. Stigs from the Bigs. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Because wrestling collectibles is one of my favorite things to do. Jeremy's got a crazy collection of uh, sports cards, baseball cards, football cards, all kinds of stuff. Uh-huh. And it sounds like you have that same passion that we do. Where did that come from? And can you tell us about some of the cooler pieces you've either bought, sold, or kept for yourself? Okay. Um, actually, I started, um, I collected cards, uh, mostly baseball and football cards, when I was in junior high. And, uh, you know, then as we get towards high school, you kind of lose that because you're doing – all the sports, you're working on a farm, you know, you just kind of lost the interest in it. It wasn't Girls. a cool thing to do, you know. And uh, right. so once I got out of high school, uh, I went to college for a while, and then I opened up a sporting a bowling and trophy and sporting goods store. And so in that store, I dedicated um, a corner and a couple of showcases and put stuff in it and started doing shows here in uh, St. Louis for the STL collector shows back in the 70s and yeah that'll show how old I am and I was set up as like a teenager or just a little bit more you know I was set up at my table and selling you know 25 cent cards and and that and uh, I did I did that kind of on and off um I screw I guess when the big collapse of cards came in the early 2000s um and then I was stuck with all these cards and I was like okay what am I going to do with all these I had probably over a million cards at that point and I was like um, well I'm not sure if you'll know what this is but I had I had every set from 53 and tops done on the way up and I had um, about a third of the T206 tobacco card set from 1909 done at that point I was the weird teenage kid that instead of instead of collecting roses and Ryan's and Schmidt's was was doing uh, the, like, Tinker's Evers, Chance, Cobb, you know, Benders, and uh, all these uh, people that I'd never seen play, but, you know, I, I was learning about them. And, well, anyway, I just, um, I, I was doing the card shows, and I had a guy that was sitting down from me that had binders of autographed hockey cards. And I was like, well, that's kind of an idea, you know. And so I talked to him one day, and I was doing uh, – I knew the guy who was the head groundskeeper for the Cardinals at that time from the card shows. So I would, I would go there every once in a while, excuse me, and uh, would go pick them up lunch or do, you know, I'd run around and do whatever they needed. And that gave me access to the Cardinal players and the visiting teams. And uh, it wasn't such a big deal to get things autographed back then, you know, so that was pretty easy. And I was like, Hey, this is, um, you know, this is nice. So, I told him, I was like, hey, if you'll show me how to do, <coughs> excuse me, hockey autographs, and I'll show you how to do the baseball. So, you know, we kind of switched. And so after time, um, I had all these cards, and I was like looking. And I, so, you know, being timid at first, you're just putting one card out for everybody. And then you're going, well, shoot, he's got two cards. And <coughs> excuse me. So you put out two, and then it becomes three. And then you go, hey, those pucks are kind of cool. I think I'll do a puck now. And. Then the puck becomes two or three pucks, and then you go to photos, then you go, you know, those sticks look pretty cool, and, and uh, you know, those jerseys, those are kind of cool, and I can hang those up on the wall, and, you know, and so <laughs> you, you, you graduate up through there. Then you got your wife yelling at you. 
because <laughs> you collected too much. Well, you know what? My my wife is actually a big supporter of mine, and if you saw my house right now, you'd understand that. Um, she's, she's, <laughs> a she's, she's a seamstress, and so um, we used to take instead of trying to carry uh, jerseys like me and my former or my older partner Trey Lindstrom, <clears throat> we would go to Hawaii for like the Pro Bowls and stuff. Well, you know, to go to Hawaii and, and you're going over there to chase autographs, you can't pack up 500 jerseys and take them with you. So nope. what we did was we started buying the numbers. And when you could take the numbers, I could carry 500 numbers in a briefcase. And so, you know, you saw somebody and you go, oh, well, he's number 12. So you'd pull a one or a two out and have them sign it. And when you get back home, you have, my wife would sew them onto the jerseys with the names and everything else. And genius. she's also been good. She, <laughs> she, <That's> uh, <laughs> yeah, and so well, she also has done. Um, I've I've probably had her make like a dozen or so Flair robes. She's probably made a hundred pairs of wrestling trunks and things, and you know to get signed. Uh, you know, I give her so much credit for when I needed help that she would always be there to do that and and not complain about the. Uh, all the mess I have laying around the house and, and stuff. You know, I always joke that we don't really have a home. We have a warehouse. And uh, <laughs> that, seems, that seems so true. But, uh, yeah, it's just progressed. And then I, I kind of got tired of sports because everyone was doing sports. And I went in to start doing more celebrities. And uh, I kind of found a, a home doing the horror movies and uh, the monsters and stuff. And uh, that's become – like my next passion, uh, although I do enjoy the oddball stuff. And, uh, I mean, I have, um, you know, I, I'm sitting here looking around the house right now. I could probably spend another hour telling you all the goofy stuff I see laying around. But the, the kind of some of the cool cool stuff I have, um, I've got uh, Bill Goldberg's boots from his last match in WCW. Um, I used to, uh, me and my buddy Trey used to drive Bill all over the, the Midwest. And Bill would give us trunks and shoes and put us up in the hotels and be cool to us. And uh, I've got Owen Hart's um, parking pass, uh, a big one that goes in the window from the night that he passed in Kansas City. Um, and just, uh, gosh, I don't know as I, I have to really sit and think. I mean, I've got so much stuff that's kind of come and gone over over time. I've still got a Glenn Hall used that's signed down there from the blues um i've got a blocker pad that's signed uh, it was jacques Plant's blocker pad that's signed by him and glenn hall uh just i don't know i'd almost have to go down and start going you know one by one through i I have a super bowl program from every super bowl and a mini helmet signed by an mvp the mvp for that super bowl um just, just a lot of stuff it's it's more than any house should have to hold. One more favorite thing I have, I was telling you about the, the monsters and that. Um, yeah. I did a signing with Rico Browning, who was the underwater creature from the Black Lagoon, and he's the last living universal monster. And uh, he kind of completed my collection. I now have autographs um, from... Uh, all of the pretty much every universal monster or associated character. I have like the Bella Lugosi, and I have uh, oh, help me out here. I have uh, the guy that was the uh, the Wolfman, Lon Chaney. 
Um, I have the other friend signed. Yeah. Yes. Um, And I have um, the the Invisible Man, and I have Fay Ray from King Kong, and I just I I kind of centered on getting those kind of autographs for myself lately, and I I just I love looking at the old monster stuff. It just fascinates me. Okay, well, then I, I think I'm going to sneak in one more question here because I know we got to get to shoot sure. the shout. You, you said monsters, and a, a, a heavy topic of conversation, at least at, at my Super Bowl get-together, which was very, very small and socially distanced for everybody who wants to cancel everybody these days. We were very careful, okay? Um, but uh-huh. so one of the things that we were talking about was this King Kong versus Godzilla movie coming up. Somebody who Uh-oh. knows the monster. Uh oh, here we go. Somebody that knows the monster game probably <laughs> better than most. What are your expectations for the upcoming film, guys? I know this isn't wrestling related, but at the same time, what bigger matchup would there be in any ring if it wasn't King Kong and Godzilla? I mean, you're talking Hogan, you're talking uh, uh, Andre the Giant, you're talking Austin and Rock. King Kong versus Godzilla. Yep. I got to get your thoughts on that real Family quick. Versus <laughs> what is it? Well, uh, Alicia Fox. I, I, I yeah, uh, Melina versus Alicia Fox. You remember from Tough Enough? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stop that, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> Jeremy's got <laughs> jokes. I think. I think if I had to place a bet on that match of King Kong versus Godzilla, you have to put money on Godzilla because he has the rays. He can open up his mouth and shoot stuff across the ring or whatever. Where. King Kong just beats his chest and climbs mountains and or you know trees and buildings and stuff, which would make for a hell of an elbow drop. But you know, I, I think Godzilla with the, the the heat ray and all that kind of stuff would have such an advantage that, that it might just be enough to swing him. And of course, if you had a good manager, that would help too. I agree. Having a good manager like that would be a good idea. And the, the, what I'm thinking is like like Shaq Kobe like. Shaq's got all the power, and he can do all the crazy stuff, but then, you know, the agility of King Kong. I don't know. I'm excited to see the movie. I know a lot of people are already saying, oh, it's going to be terrible. I'm like, well, first of all, stop being a hater. Number two, it's nostalgia, man. And I think, honestly, Mr. Big, you may agree or disagree with this, but I think that's what keeps us, like, linked into wrestling. Like, we we may or may not like today's product, but the nostalgia is still there, and it's no different with me for comic books video games, cartoons, monster movies. For whatever reason, I'm still infatuated with that stuff, and I think it's all nostalgia. And you know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah, same here. I, my wife shakes her head. My daughter's favorite comment is, you, you never know what's going to come through that door next. And, you know, I bring in <laughs> tin toys and, you know, comic books and uh, sports cards and you know, whatever I run across that I think is really cool. And, and I might not keep it, but I won't have it for a little while. And if it means something really to me after a year or two or whatever, then I keep it. And if not, then I ship it off. But, uh, you know, I don't want to uh, – my house is so filled with stuff right now, that, and, and I'm working every day pushing stuff out the door and, you know, doing auctions, auctions and listings on the weekends and trying to keep things up to date. I just bought a 100,000 trading card collection of old baseball cards. So, and that's what I've been working on for the last two weeks is going through and sorting through all that. And, uh, you know, plus trying to do all the regular stuff with, um, 
you know, the, the signings and that, which uh, has, has been really tough with the COVID because, you know, conventions are canceled and you can't go see people. Right. And, you know, this is the, the member, uh, the, the autograph part of the business has really been tough this last year and a half. Yeah, I can understand that. And, and you know what? Hopefully it turns back around again, guys. That's SIGs from the Bigs. If you want more information on that, just hit us up. We'll link you up with Mr. Big. And also, Mr. Big, I think you'll enjoy this. We have a partnership and a sponsorship uh, with a place here in Kansas City called RetroZone. And they're, they're a, a spot at the mall owned by uh, my friend Derek Smith. And he's a, a definitely a younger guy, but he's got the same appreciation. Maybe we'll link you guys up and see if you can't at least have a good conversation or something. Uh, I think, think it would be something both of you guys would enjoy. That sounds good. I appreciate it. No problem. Well, Jeremy, I don't know if you got any final questions, bro. We got to get into the shoot and shout segment with Mr. Big. Maybe we can get him to cut one of those uh, grocery store owl promos for us. Not sure. I'm hoping. Cross my fingers here. <laughs> but did you have any uh, final thoughts or questions uh, for the one and only Mr. Big? That's two G's, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you get it right. That's Mr. Big with two G's. Go ahead, Maestro. All I want to know is, can I come over and look at your collection? Holy crap, I hear all the things you got. You got me all kinds of junk right now. Well, once we get past COVID, just give me a call. Maybe we'll, we'll fix you up. All right, I'm going to hold you to that one, my friend. I, I do want to tell you, I do have three booths set up of merchandise up at the Manhattan uh, Antique Marketplace on St. Anne behind the police station in Bridgeton. So... Really? Okay, because uh, I know this Saturday I'm going to the Machinist Hall in Bridgeton for a card and memorabilia show, so. No kidding. You walk in on the first three aisles on the right. Awesome. Well, I'll be sure to check it out sometime. Awesome. And now I'm jealous because I don't live in St. Louis. Thanks a lot, guys. You made me sad. Well done, gentlemen. You know, that's a a you problem, not a me problem. (laughs) Well, maybe I need to come visit after COVID, and we can, like, link up for some yeah. coffee, some food, some beer or something, and talk uh, nerdy stuff because I'm digging it. Well, listen, guys, as much I w- as I-, I would love to keep the conversation going, we do have to close out Mr. Big's first visit with a very, very special segment that we do here every single week on the show. It's called the Shoot and Shout segment. And, again, it's 30 to 45 seconds. You can go off about anything you want, anything that's hurting your feelings, ticking you off. It can be a total shoot or 100% kayfabe. It doesn't matter. We just need you to cut a sick promo, okay? That's how simple. I'll go first to keep it simple. Uh, Jeremy, you can go second, and then we'll let Mr. Big close it out. How's that sound, gentlemen? Works for me.
lot of legitimacy to that complaint, okay? But the Chiefs as a whole, where were y'all? Did y'all, like, stay up too late the night before? I heard uh, there's, like, a recreational pot in Tampa. I don't know if it's that. Listen, all I know is this. We had an opportunity to solidify ourselves as one of the greatest teams in NFL history. Maybe even begin what they call a legacy. A legacy of championships. And guess what? We let that pretty boy, son of a gun, Tom Brady, take us to school. He set us up. He basically made the bed, tucked us in, and put us to sleep. We should have saw it coming. We didn't. And I'm freaking embarrassed right now. I'm upset and I'm anxious. And yet I'm not as terribly off as everybody else's team who didn't make it to the Super Bowl for the haters out there. But, man, that really hurt me as a Chiefs fan, basically from the second quarter on, to know that it was a done deal, a wrap, and it was all she wrote. My shoe chopper tonight is simple, ladies and gentlemen. I am a very upset, bitter, and pissed off Kansas City Chiefs fan. Maestro, your turn. All right. Well, it is time for me to follow up on what the Night Owl just said. Because let me tell you something. For all the tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorists out there who think that it was rigged in favor of Tom Brady and the Buccaneers, let me put it in perspective for you. First off, the Chiefs losing the Super Bowl, and and Night Off will make you feel any better, they only lost by 22, not 25. So I'm going to try to help you feel a little (laughs) less anxious. I got you on this one. It does not help at all. (laughs) Okay, but thank you. So, let me put it to you all this way. Patrick Mahomes, literally, he scrambled for almost 500 yards outside of the pocket. If he took all the yards that he ran while running outside of the pocket, it equals almost 500 yards. And this is, this is a next-gen stat. This isn't just a maestro making up something, pulling it out of his ass. No, this is 100% legitimate. It, it's either 487 to 497, one of the two. Either way, Patrick Mahomes had missed four starting offensive linemen. Four of the five from week one were not playing. Austin Ryder, the center, was the only one playing. His wide receivers, Pat Mahomes is freaking throwing it, sidearm, a fastball right down the middle, practically sleeping sideways, and his receivers let it bounce off their face mask. And you are blaming the ref missing a, making a pass interference call or missing a holding call on it? No. The offense sucked. Tyron Matthew was being a little baby on defense, thinking that he can talk crap to a 43-year-old and look cool doing it. Sorry, because Grandpa's going to get right back in your face about it. So, no, I have no sympathy. And, and one more thing that irks my soul. Flashback two weeks to the divisional round against Cleveland. What happens? Dirty Dan Sorensen goes head-to-head with Rashard Higgins and knocks the ball out of bounds. But he targeted the helmet, but no call was given. And what happened at Arrowhead? Everyone was on their feet. So I don't want to hear a damn thing about missed calls, no calls, bad calls. Uh Uh-uh. Chiefs got outplayed. Father Time hasn't caught Tom Brady I wanted the Chiefs to win, but I knew the Buccaneers would win because unlike the Chiefs, the Buccaneers learned from week 12 
and they went out there and fired on all cylinders. So I don't want to hear any more conspiracy theories. The Chiefs got outplayed, plain and simple, and that is my shoot and shout. All right, Mr. Big, the floor is yours. Well, I will stay in the same boat with you guys then since uh, I hate to go up to the, in a different stream here. Um, I watched the game, and uh, I was here with my daughter, and it's a 10-to-3 mark, and uh, Tampa has the ball, and they're just mercifully just going down the field. And I told my daughter, I said, this game is over. I said, Tampa's going to blow them away. (coughs) And the the problem was, and I am not a Tom Brady fan, but let's just say if he was playing operation, there would have been no buzzers and no red lights on the noses going on during that game. That guy is just—he is money, and I hate to admit it, but I—I've <clears throat> always been a Namath fan. I was always a Montana, but I have to give Brady his props. <coughs> Excuse me. And I—I I think once you've been on a team like Kansas City, who's one and one and one, sometimes you start feeling a little cocky, and sometimes you're going, oh, that's "Tampa, you got a forty-something-year-old guy quarterback. I haven't heard of any of these guys out here on the field." And you start getting a little full of yourself. Well, Kansas City, remember this. Being a Chiefs fan, you uh, you got to think of this. You need more. You need less yahoos and more wahoos. Okay? Take that to the bank. Amen. Well, ladies and gentlemen, while we get some things figured out, we are going to take a quick break, but you do not want to go anywhere because when we come back, we are going to have the giant assassin on, and after that, we will have the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge, so stay tuned. And Mr. Big, I have to thank you so much. Yes, sir. Jam park with a chicken old breakfast. If you ain't a hustler, you might not get this. Eyes wide open, even though we sleeping. Have to get up in your face, you know, creeping. But you gotta be from my town just to know that. All brand new, no need for a throwback. That's where you're from, but don't be dumb. Didn't even know it, but they said that I won. I will keep grinding, no rewinding. I will ace slice like it's one big assignment. Young Max Saga, hotter than lava. Never tripping on them haters, cause they ain't hot. I swear I'm just like em Girl, put your titties in my face That's why I like em Hate big heads, but I love big faces My name is Victorious I already taste it Get 
it when it comes to that important shot. I gotta hit it, cause I'm clutch, baby. Young Reese, he's way too much lately, living mainly. Feeling crazy, you know what's up, baby. KG's the place where I'm at, where they get hit with the mag, they get stabbed in the back. I could pull along with a link up with the pack. Eating motherfucking beats like they some type of snack. And then I hit the club, see the people moving. I be chasing paper while some people still snoozing. If you ain't winning, must mean you're losing. That's taking L's and that's something I ain't doing. I'm a straight winner from beginner, you should know that. From the killer city, so you know I gotta show that. Be the Kush masters, break it down and roll that. Trying to get some rap after that, get some more rap. Yo, what up? Night Owl, Nightmare Jones. What up, Wrestle Talk fam? Do it for y'all. Check me out. Kick in the door, wave in the 4-4. Even them haters can't hate us no more. So unlock your door, cause we got some more. Every Wednesday we here, keeping it raw. Night Owl, Nightmare Jones, and all the best jets. Like a double barrel pointed right at your chest. WrestleTalksPodcast.com. Smashing and killing it like the night at a prom. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. This is the Maestro, but welcome to the Wrestle Talk Podcast. I want to thank Mr. Big for being on. We didn't get a chance to before uh, the shooting shout ended and we went to break, but I greatly appreciate him being on. And like I said, I am holding him to that whole thing that once COVID ends, I get to see that collection because, folks, I got over 40,000 sports cards. I got autographs galore, so I'm curious to see what he got. Um, while we wait for the United Owl to return, I also want to send some uh, best why, wish. Why would we wait? There's no, there's no good reason to wait. Uh, there's a good show this to be had, a good Mr. Maestro. Is... Let's go up, go, let's go, let's Let's get it done. <laughs> I was oh, going to send some well wishes to Terry Funk, but fine. Fine, fine. No, no, no it's fine. No, but you said you said you were what? waiting for me. I'm here, baby. I ain't going nowhere. I mean, I went I, I just for a little bit, but I'm back. Okay, I am. Okay. And you know what? Well, thank God. I think the night flew back in, and I look forward to it. Okay. No, so. I know, but you know what? All I right. think you should do that, Jeremy. Let's do this. I think we need to, I do I have we to, need say to this. well wish Terry Funk. And I think you need to hit those sponsors. Because guess what? We got another guest coming up in just a matter of moments, baby. The show continues. All righty. Well, you are correct on both counts. So quickly, I do want to thank our sponsors, Everything Combat with Jay Hollywood, Jeffrey Wilson, and UFC Hall of Famer Pat Militich. Royal Mills Transportation, Esports Bar in Kansas City. That's right. We also got a, we also got King Kang Peters Dream Productions, and of course, last but not least, my very own Interstate 70 Sports Media. But it is not just me; it is so many amazing team members alongside me that help make it as successful as it is becoming. So I have to thank Zach, Zach, Adam, Ken, and Andy. They have all done an amazing work with me. And I'm just grateful to have them all on the team. Ta-da! You got four guys on the team now? You got four guys on the team at I-70? That's amazing. We got more. We got – because we already had Adam and Ken, and then we had Zach. 
had one me- had another Zach message me this morning, dear friend, and then I have Andy who's joining as our lead Cardinal writer. I'm telling you, buddy, this team is growing. And Adam, so you got what? I, I'm counting six. And Ken, I'm and telling you, Adam and his cousin Ken. Dude, that is so ill, man. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. If you love the energy you get here on the Wrestle Talk podcast, but you're like, you know what? I want the same vibe when it comes to the world of sports, regular sport. I-70 Sports Media is the place to go. And, of course, bro, I have to say this. I'm going to jump in on you real quick before we hit Terry Funk. Bro, Wrestle Talk Podcast mugs, Rath Buns Engraving, 20 bucks plus shipping with your name engraved on it. This is bar-quality glass, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to last you a whole lot longer than those crappy T-shirts you've been paying $45 for on WWE.com. I mean, I'm just going to say it. Nobody else will the night I'll say it. But, Jeremy, go ahead, man. Let's hit the Terry Funk, and let's move on to our final feature guest of the evening, bro. I am so excited to talk to the Giant Assassin, bro. I cannot wait. Oh, my gosh. There's a reason the episode is titled Big Assassins, because I am just hyped on this, because he is he's going to kill it. He's going to do an amazing job. Okay, but like you said, a quick thing on Terry Funk, because we do got a guest waiting for us, the one and only Giant Assassin. Anyway... Terry Funk, he is 76 years old. He is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. We talked with Mr. Big earlier, and we talked about wrestlers like Harley Race who put their lives on the line for this industry, who put their bodies and souls into every match. And I don't think you could say it about anybody as much as you could say it about Terry Funk. And Dustin Rhodes and Mick Foley, among others, had recently put on social media how Terry Funk, unfortunately, is dealing with a lot of serious physical pain mainly pertaining to his hip, a hip that has been injured for well over a decade. And it got to the point where recently, even with other physical injuries, Terry Funk is in so much pain, he sent out a video asking fans politely, of course, to stop sending him fan mail and other um, pieces of memorabilia and whatnot and pictures to autograph. He's just worn out. And we here at the Russell Talk Podcast family and at the I-70 Sports family, you know, we wish him nothing but the best, quick recovery. Oh, and we thank you, Terry Funk, for literally over 50 years of just pouring your heart and soul into the wrestling business in more ways than one. So thank you and get well soon. Hardcore Hoss, whether he's in front, on the mic or behind the board, he does a kick-ass job every week, and we're so thankful for him. And I know Drake is boasting somewhere about himself, so I don't really need to give him props, but <laughs> he knows I give him props. <laughs> no doubt about it. Well, guess what, Jeremy? The action continues here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. We still got a solid 35, 40 minutes left in the show, and guess what? The time has arrived, ladies and gentlemen, for our second featured guest of the evening. I can't believe I'm saying this because I have been keeping tabs on MMWA and really professional wrestling in the Midwest. Um, I started attending shows about six years ago, 
And then since then, I've kind of gone backwards and started to look at some of the history. The Giant Assassin has come up. Um, he's obviously a Hall of Famer uh, in 2020 of the Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame as well, just like Mr. Big. And I, I would be, I guess, remiss if I didn't say that I think this visit is a little overdue. You're talking about a guy who has competed against the best in professional wrestling, uh, not only St. Louis, but really uh, around the world. When you're talking about guys like Tony Casa, Ed Lewis, uh, Stan Hurley, Ron Powers, Tom Sullivan, Ed Smith Sr., um, the drill instructor, and believe it or not, even the late, great Bruiser Brody. Amigos, WrestleTalk family, it is both an honor and a pleasure to introduce and welcome in for the very first time here on the WrestleTalk podcast, episode number 332, the one and only, the giant assassin. I'm doing fine. Can you hear me okay? Loud, Loud clear, and clear, my friend. Can you hear him, Jeremy? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I, it's a great pleasure to have you on. It's a real well, treat. I'm we got two Hall of Famers on tonight. This is awesome. Thanks thanks for having me. I, I, I called in a little early, and I heard the last part of the show. Very entertaining. I would just like to tell you guys, you're not keeping up with sports too well because the Kansas City Chiefs happen to find 40 points in a box under a table. At four in the morning, they're going to make them the Super Bowl champ. <laughs> yes! Hey! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, how's that for, hey, how's that for a conspiracy theory, huh? And I'm not even Oh, it. my God. Oh, I got oh, some. <laughs> I'll make a tinfoil hat out of the Hershey Kiss wrappers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hey! Oh my sorry, gosh! Sorry, I now, know you guys are Kansas City fans. Sorry about the bad joke, but you know the only touchdown you hear out of Kansas City is when the plane landed, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what's messed Ooh. up, Giant? Giant, the, the streaker, yeah. the streaker got into the end zone more than my Kansas City yeah. Chiefs. That. Can I get the iron sheet drop again, Hawk? I need it right now. <laughs> Got him! <laughs> Got him! <laughs> oh, I know. He must have been wow. Hey, he what must have been a Chiefs fan because he slid before he got in. <laughs> he did. Oh, my gosh. With the with the pink thong oh. and everything. All right. Oh, well, he's well, still right. man. Yeah, he had a pink thong on for those who didn't get a chance to see it. I had some wrestling tights that same color. Oh, you did? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so let's go ahead and kick off the interview. The Giant Assassin, I know, uh, dude, you've got great vibes already. Um, I, I just want to go ahead and start off by asking this question. So you're an eight-time MMWA heavyweight champion. Uh, from a workers' oh. perspective, from from a worker's perspective, and we'll get into MMWA here in just a second, but I got to ask you, what did you enjoy most 
Did you enjoy being chased, or did you enjoy being the one that was doing the chasing more? Oh, I hey, I'm I'm an entertainer, man. <laughs> you know, and it just yeah. it just came natural. I I I uh, I mean, I don't know how much I can say on here, and and I I've, I'm sorry to say I've never heard your podcast before, but it's very entertaining. I loved every bit of it. Uh, the um, you know the the monster thing. I'm a GI Joe guy myself. I got old GI Joe, so I guess everybody that gets in this business got to save something. So. Uh, no, I mean, I go way back. I mean, I, I just, you know, I learned from some of the old, old guys about how to stretch it and entertain, and it was just, I, I enjoyed that more than anything. It was it was fantastic, that part. Uh, I got a lot of ailments and got a lot of hurts now. I'm, I'm 61 now, so I feel a lot of things, So, but I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I had, a, I had a ball. I hope that answers your question. I didn't, you know. I do no, the no, best it's I fine. And you know what? No, no, you did. And, and obviously, you had a lot of success at it because of the acknowledgement that you got. I mean, you're talking about an eight-time MMWA heavyweight champion and 2020 Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame inductee. Um, I'll go back just because I, I do think that it is, it is a great question. After being a champion on eight different occasions, you also obviously had to win those championships. So, which did you enjoy more? Did you enjoy um, being, being the one that was chasing, or did you enjoy being the one that was being chased more? Well, you, did you ever play King of the Hill when you were a kid? It was always the best to be on top of the hill. So Damn I right, I did I play King I like, of the Hill. Yeah, there's always got, best to be the one on the top. Yeah, so I, I guess I was the one like to be chased, yeah. You like being you like being at the top more, no question. Hey, you know what? Quick time out here, um, Giant Assassin. We got Keith Smith Senior here with us, and he's asking for the volume to be turned up. If you have us on speakerphone, you can just switch to regular phone. I think we'll get better audio that way. <laughs> Is that better? Yeah, because you Hello? know what? The big dog Keith Smith said that we need to turn up the volume. I was like, okay. If Keith Smith tells me we need to turn it up, we're gonna turn it up. <laughs> okay. Keith's been really good to us here on the show as well. We love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love Keith. He's a good okay. man. Good, great dad. Okay, uh, next question. So we were talking to Mr. Big in the first hour. You might have heard a bit of that interview. It was a really, really great one. Uh, you yourself had a manager during your career by the name of Big Daddy. How important was having a good manager by your side um, in, in your career as a professional wrestler? Oh, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was, you know, probably the biggest, you know, move I made. It was, you know, I mean, the most important move I made in all of it because, you know, it takes a lot of heat off me and, and, uh, and plus he was a great showman. Uh, probably, you know, there's a lot of good ones, you know, classy Freddie to all the going all the way back. But I mean, this guy, this guy did it. He did the job, man. He was very good. If you've never seen him, if you've never seen his work, you should probably try to Google it and stuff. He's, he was uh, he was excellent at what he did. But it was a very important decision and probably one of the best ones I made. Man, no doubt about it. Shout out to, to Big Daddy on behalf of the WrestleTalk family. Uh, from there, I do want to actually jump in to the opportunity that you had to wrestle guys that we have only ever heard of. Um, 
uh, at my age, because I'm 36, so I, you know, I want to be honest here. Yeah. So you actually got to work with Ed, uh, Ed Smith Sr., and also Tony Costa. Can you talk about both of them? Uh, you're talking about two landmarks in the world of professional wrestling coming out of St. Louis. How incredible was sure. it uh, to be able to work alongside those guys? Oh, it was fantastic. You know, and, and you know they were they were considerably older than me, and I learned a lot from them. And there, there's a lot of guys that, a lot of guys I learned a whole lot from that you've never, you know, uh, the names you know you wouldn't even recognize, and no nobody listening to that even know the old guys. But you know, there were a lot of guys that they don't get the, a shot at it. They, you know, they're 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 openers. They're they're really good mid range people. Like some of the greatest wrestlers that were ever in this business were those good mid-range guys. I don't know if you've, you're a young man. I don't know how much you follow the older guys, but there was a guy named Roger Kirby that was way back in the days. If you ever get a chance to Google his work and watch him work, he, he was fantastic. And he would, you know, he was in the middle of those matches when you would go to, a, to an arena and watch a, watch a house show. And he was always in the middle somewhere, but his matches were, were fantastic. He was an impeccable worker. He knew. He, I mean, he was just fantastic. He worked the crowd. He had the whole thing going, and that's what I was more into. I would love the the guys that had, could actually work. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of gimmicks, a lot of other things, but you know, workers, and and that's what Ed was. Ed was a technician. You know, Tony was a technician. You know, those guys that could do and carry a match and make the make it. You know, make the guys. You know, the, the people were there to be entertained. You know the right. crowd. They're not. They're not there to sit there, sit there on their hands. They want to scream. They want to yell. You know what I mean? You know, I, I ended up going a different direction later. You know, more of a showman, and that helped. You know, that was my stick too. But I'm a big, big guy, and so I had a lot of, you know, and I was still, you know, had a lot of moves for being a big guy, and that's what why I would get a lot of shots for people. A lot of people don't know this, but you know, of course, you know who Randy Orton is, correct? Of course. You know, oh yeah. Yeah. But by, by so, the way, um. Uh, Bob Orton scheduled to be on the show next week here on the Wrestle Talk podcast. How do you like that connection? Oh, wonderful! I I I worked with Bob. I worked I worked some shows with Bob. But if he remembers correctly, and you can jog his memory, when Randy was just thinking of getting into it, you know, we went to a gym somewhere and we did some work. I'm not tooting my horn or nothing like that, so I don't know. But a guy named Herb Simmons, you know Herb. He oh, we love Herb. Yeah. yeah, Herb put on a show in Illinois with the help of uh, Larry Matisak, and and we got Randy his first gig over there, and I worked Randy in one of the earlier matches, just you know, get him in front of a crowd and stuff. He was a young kid, a very very young kid. I'll never forget it because Bob, Bob was on the show too, and uh, Dick Murdoch. I mean, I don't know if you know any of these names because it's all the we older do. guys that, that I we, yeah, we do. From. We do. Yeah. We do, Charlie. Yeah. Yeah, Dick Murdoch was probably one of my all-time favorites. Now you won't hear a lot of people say that because they're fans and they're not, you know, they're, they're not technicians of the sport. They don't understand the sport. But Dick Murdoch was one of my all-time favorites. You know, he was fantastic. I mean, he, that guy, he could you could put on a show with him. I mean, he was great. <laughs> you know, so. But uh, I'm sorry, I just I could talk for you know I I go on and I could ramble and. But I'm sorry. I'm sure you have questions that you want to answer. No, no, no. Sorry about that. No, not at all. Listen, and, and let me let me put you at ease. And, and and this may be your first opportunity to listen to the show as as a first time guest, and, and that's okay. We by no means claim to be professional wrestling experts. Myself, 
uh, my co-host tonight, Jeremy Joe, who's the founder of the show, and the other one of our guests, uh, Drake Lee. We're all relatively young, uh, around our 40s or less in many cases, um, but we have a, a, an incredible appreciation for what you guys brought to the table. Uh, just last week, we were talking to Madman Pondo, and we spent about half his interview talking about Tracy Smothers. And so this is the type of show that is created to, to, to give guys like you oh. their flowers, Giant Assassin. And I know you're, you've gotten them <laughs> with the Midwest Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, uh, but you're getting them here tonight with us. So don't worry about bragging. We'll okay. do it for yeah. you. All right? Yeah, we'll, I, we'll, I, we'll do it for you. That's why the show is no, here. So, so don't worry. And, and we do oh. know some of those old school guys because we're learning and learning to appreciate them as we speak. So keep on sharing the knowledge, bro. We, we appreciate it. Right, Jeremy? Absolutely. Uh, I, so yeah, I love it. I understand, yeah, I understand that uh, you're from Kansas City. You know, I've done some work in Kansas City years ago. I worked, uh, I worked Rocky Johnson. I mean, uh, the Rock's dad. Rocky and, uh, Johnson. Rock yeah, Rocky Johnson. And I was in a tag match with him. And I don't know if you guys remember Rufus R. Jones. <laughs> He's from Kansas City. Rufus Correct. R. Jones is actually a Kansas I, yeah, City native. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I worked, I worked both of them. I worked both of them in a tag match up there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I've been around a long time, man. I kind of like a, kind of like you know, mushroom. I'm, I'm, stick me in the corner and feed me bullshit because I've been around here a long time, you know. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I love you know, that. Well, I wanna make sure... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I just want to make sure I leave enough room for uh, for my uh, co-host Jeremy, who's got a, a whole bunch of questions himself. Uh, I wanted to say this, though. So throughout your career, you had an opportunity to work with a lot of incredible people. I guess I would, I would be mad at myself if I didn't ask you this question. I'm sure you get it all the time. Uh, Bruiser Brody, uh, Herb yeah. Simmons, and guys like that have done such an incredible job of keeping his legacy alive. His, his widow uh, is such an incredible person. Uh, I heard her on an interview with our buddy Jay Hollywood uh, for, from a little while back. Um, you had the opportunity to actually share the ring with the man, uh, obviously known for his ability to tell a story, man. Is there anything you could share with us that, that, that I think, I think the fans would appreciate anything that you shared with us, but, but what was that experience well, like? Because you're talking oh, about a true was, legend of the sport, a true legend of the sport. It was, it was incredible. You know, I was, I was really young at the first time. You know, we, we worked several times and I was, I was really young the first time. So, you know, of course, being young, you know, you're going to be worried about, you know, your nerves get a little bit. But after that, you know, he made everything so nice and so calm. And it was, he was good to talk to. He was, it was, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. He's a great guy. And, uh, you know, he, it, it's a shame what happened. And, and it's, uh, you know, he did a lot for the wrestling world, you know, whether you knew him as King Kong Brody, Bruiser Brody, you know, wherever, wherever you were at. But, uh, yeah, he was fantastic. Uh, it was a it was a great was experience and, and pardon me? Giant giant was, was he as stiff as people say that he was? Did he did he work stiff or did he have a soft hair? Uh, you gotta make it real, man. You know? And, and here's what here's <laughs> Hell yeah. And that's I like he that. works the same way works the same way. It's listen, you're not gonna make me look bad. So you know what I mean? <laughs> you, you know, don't 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 have any hard feelings when we leave out there. But you know, you make it look good, and we'll be all right. But you're not going to make me look bad. So that, that you know, hey, that's all you can expect. You know what I mean? 
And uh, you know when, when you when you take a chair from King Kong Brody, you take a chair, and, and it's uh, you know one of the, one of the best advice I can give to anybody. Just if he hits you in the back, lay on your back on the concrete and help cool it off some, because it's going to be a little bit, you know. So. <laughs> Hell yeah, I love that man. I love I love how you put that together, man. That's that's awesome. It's the way well, it's supposed to be to make sure that the fans get their money's worth, man. A- I, absolutely. I hope, I hope that answered your question. You know, so. No, no, I mean, dude, you're you're on fire. You're absolutely on fire. Well, Maestro, I'm gonna have you jump on in here, bro, because you know I could talk to the giant assassin all night, but I'm not a selfish guy. So why don't you go ahead and take the microphone and and come on in here with your questions, bro? Much love, much love, Night Al. Giant, it is seriously such a great honor having you on. I mean. You know, I've talked to people like Herb Simmons before, and those types of people you sit down, have a have a few drinks with, and just listen to stories all day long, honestly, you know. Yep. And gentlemen like him and yourself have helped in so many ways in the wrestling industry. And I have to ask, you know, in 2019, you returned home to the South Broadway Athletic Club to be inducted into the Independent St. Louis Wrestling Hall of Fame. So for you... With the career you've had, how did you feel going home to the site of some of your greatest matches? Oh, it, it was it was fantastic because Big Daddy was there with me. Uh, you know, uh, some of the great guys were down there. You know, uh, actually Bob Orton, uh, Bob Orton was honored that night too. He was down there, and it was just a lot of people I hadn't seen in a long time because I didn't really stay involved in it much after I got out of it. Uh, you know, when I when I stopped, I was done. You know, I mean, a lot of guys. They, they 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 don't know when they're done, you know. I I knew when yeah. I was done, so <laughs> I I really hadn't been that involved in it anymore. And so to go back and see everybody again and talk to the people, and I actually climbed up in the ring again, man. That was that was a different experience after not being in one for twenty years. You know what I mean? So uh, I had been to one other show. I did a I went to the memorial that uh, Herb had for Larry Matisek over there and. That was a couple of years ago. I don't remember really what year that was, but yeah, I, I, that was the only times I've really been in front of people, and, you know. So it was it was fantastic. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, and of course, it was very well deserved. And you know, with the you wrestled against some of the greatest in the industry, you know, and the, you and Renee were talking about that. And when comparing the product from when you were wrestling to it now what do you think makes professional wrestling in 2021 different than what you experienced during your career oh wow (laughs) that's a great question it's probably not going to be a real popular answer but (laughs) but what i'm hey i don't mind i love hot takes don't go for it (laughs) (laughs) It, it's there's no more rest i mean it's it's all you know it's all bullshit really and i don't know if i can say it on the air but it's it's just there's yes, too much can. of the bullshit. In, there's too much of the bullshit in the acting and all that. Come on, I, you know. And I guess I'm just old school. You know what I mean? But I want to see some. You know, I want to see some battle. You know what I mean? I want to see the. You know, it's like I went to. A, I, I know this is a wrestling show, but somebody talked me into going to a roller derby match here. Probably. Dude, it, hell it's yeah. Been a, it's been Ooh, a few yes, years. Absolutely. So I'm like, oh yeah. You know, what I mean, I'm all pumped up. I'm ready to go because. 
when I grew up as a kid, man, my dad used to take us to roller derby. And when we got old enough to buy our own ticket, we would go see roller derby. I go to this roller derby thing, and it's all show, man. There's no, there wasn't one fight. I mean, we when we watched roller derbies when we were, when we were growing up, man, they were fighting and they were squaring off on the roller skates. Oh, it was great, you know. What I mean, I go we go to this place and it was all girls and you know, hey, I'm not against girls. Hell, I like to watch girls fight too, but nobody fought. I said, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? I, I come here, to, I want to see some action, man. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like how wrestling is to me nowadays. It's a great production. They got a lot of money. And to me, when to me, cable TV ruined actual wrestling, and I, I and that's just an old man talking. But once once they they could, you know once one guy could try to take over the whole world, and then he had all you know all the money, and he had the biggest production, it just got too crazy, man. It, it's just and they got away from wrestling, and, and that's just because I'm an old school guy, and I like to see the fight, and I like to see I like to see great workers. And man, there's no more great workers. You know, I saw, I saw, you know, at Keel Auditorium in St. Louis before they rebuilt it and everything. I saw Harley Race and Ric Flair do an hour, two out of three falls, and I, you talk about some great work, man. And I was entertained that whole hour, man. And and you, you're not going to see that ever again. You'll never see that again with these guys now. You know what I mean? And 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 that's great. If that's what puts you know you know the old saying whatever puts the butts in the seats, and that's apparently what's putting the butts in the seats. These kids with the cell phones and you know they got a two minute attention span, if that. So you know it's all quick and it's all you know. But you know I I mean I saw a match and and it was you know those guys were great workers and when you watch them too it was just fantastic. I mean it was a good show, and you know it was a long time long time to work out there, man. You know so. I, you know, I get off on a tangent. I'm sorry. I hope I answered your question. If I didn't, uh, you know, we'll try again later. <laughs> no, you're fine. You did. Believe me, you're a okay. Don't don't be uncertain what you did. Uh, honestly, that you, you answered it. And what I love most is that you actually answered it honestly. Honestly, I mean, I kind of, you know, when I was talking to Mr. Big earlier, I was kind of bringing up this idea of traditionalism. And how, because how he, he was telling about how he likes to watch a wrestling match or a show as compared to how, you know, people in Renee's and my generation like to watch it. You know, you have a lot of people just holding the phones up, standing up, you know, yelling and everything. Yeah. But uh. he likes to sit down and watch it. And, like, you know, I understand, like, how the style of wrestling, you know, how it can appeal and how it doesn't appeal. I totally get that. Well, they're all millionaires. They're doing something right, so <laughs> I guess I guess, there's not, I guess there's not many of us left, huh? <laughs> but, uh, I understand. I uh, now my grandpa would tell me, my cousin, even my cousins and uncle would tell me that you know they'd go to wrestling at the chase all the time, and they'd see, you know, oh. Ric Flair, Luthez, Hollywood, you name them, they were there basically. Oh and, yeah! Oh yeah! And here's my next question for you. So, you know, a lot of people consider, you know, St. Louis is known. See, Renee's out in Kansas City. I'm out in the St. Louis area. And St. Louis is known as the gateway to the West. And for the longest time, it was considered a professional wrestling hub. Some, You know, you didn't make it 
Kind of like how a celebrity wasn't a celebrity until they were on The Tonight Show right. with Johnny Carson. Right. A wrestler wasn't a wrestler until they wrestled in St. Louis at least once. How did it feel for you to wrestle in St. Louis as much as you did in your career? Oh, you know, that, it, I mean, it was it was just easy for me, to be honest with you, because, you know, I, this is where I'm at it. You know, I, I you know, I'm, to be honest, I've met, I met a wonderful girl. We got married and, you know, we had a kid. By the way, my son lives in Kansas City, so can't be all about, I can't, I can't talk too bad about Kansas City, you know, but uh, it, uh, it, it was, it was a good, it was good for me because it fit into my life at that time. You know, I've had, I had opportunities to go on circuits and I did a couple of circuits and they just, it's just not really good for a guy that wants to be, to have a home life too. I mean, there's, there's a few that can juggle that. It just, it just, it's a hard, hard life to do a, do a road circuit and, you know, live on the road and still have a family. So it worked for me that the opportunities were here, you know, in St. Louis. And then I lived here in St. Louis and, you know, I tried a few and, and it, I, I just made the decision to stick closer to home. You know what I mean? So it was good for me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It worked, it worked and, and that's me. And, and it, yeah, and that's why it, that's why that happened like that, you know. So you're going to get honesty from me, pal. I don't. I, I, there's no way that you know. I mean, I'm I'm not going to make up some big thing like you know, St. Louis pays me, but no, it's just no. It's just it worked for me. It was a good. It was good for me in my life at the time. Well, that's great, and I know because you know, you. I think if there's one. I don't know if I'd call it a tale or a story or just what, whatever you want to call it about wrestling. It's a lot of it is about how far, much away from home the wrestlers are and how away from the families they are on a yearly basis. And while the ways of traveling have changed as far as like where they go and the routine of it, it still remains the same that, you know, for long durations of time throughout the year, wrestlers are not with their families. And it it takes a toll on them. It takes a toll on a lot of them. So, you know, for them, for any wrestler to find a way to make that work, you know, is remarkable feat in and of itself. Yeah, and it's a whole different travel schedule now. I mean, you know, I mean, you, there's there's flights involved and things like that. We were in a car going from one town to the next. You know what I mean? <laughs> a lot of times you drove all night. And you worked the, the show that, that, you know, you got to get something to eat, and then you worked the show, and then you were on the road to the next one. So it wasn't like everybody thinks it's a, you know, it was glamorous or anything, because back in the days, it wasn't. It was rough. I, I did it the rough way, and it, it's, a, it's, it's a different life. But, hey, a lot of people love it, you know. I mean, and I had a lot of fun. I wouldn't change it for anything, you know, but it's it's a rough life, man, so. People can, uh, yeah. can can grab on and try all they want, but get ready because it'll eat you up, man. So, all right, I'm sorry. I could there I go talking. All right, it's a podcast though. Like, isn't that the whole? Oh, it is. This is show. I'm filtered, man. I love it. Hey, I'm 61. Didn't even know what a pod was, podcast was till about three weeks ago. So. <laughs> 
that's what, hey, that's what we heard about you, Giant Assassin. We heard you did two things very well. You, you're a great wrestler, and you love talking shit. So, like, I'm like, this guy's perfect for the show. I'm the double winner. Well, I got one last question for you. I got sure. just one more. So, like, you know, we've talked about over the, both Renee and myself talked about the career you've had. And I just have to ask you, you know, new generations coming in, professional wrestling fans or or the bullshit product known as wrestling, as you like to call it. I have to ask, though, what do you hope that the professional wrestling fans will remember most about the great assassin? Uh, probably his name, because the giant assassin is different than the great assassin. So I hope they remember my name. Wait, wait. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just that. messing with you, dude. I'm just messing with you. Gotti! Gotti! Hey, I, I just hope they were, I hope they were entertained. You know what I mean? Because that's why I don't do two shows a night anymore. I just can't do it. <laughs> that's from Beetlejuice. No. I just hope they were entertained. I hope I, I hope they had as much fun watching me as I had watching them because I've seen a lot of things, you know. <laughs> right. Well, I figured, look, if Mick Foley can have three faces, why couldn't you have two on there? You know, why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, hey, never, never, miss your, never miss your opportunity, pal, you know. <laughs> oh, my. Oh. But, no, really, uh, I, I would like to say that, you know, I, I called in a little, or, well, I was supposed to call at 10 after, and so I got to listen to some of the show. You guys are very good, very entertaining. I like the thing, and Godzilla would win because he had that ray, dude. King Kong yeah. don't have a ray. Yeah, he would. So, that was almost yeah. unanimous on that one. <laughs> yeah, he, had a foreign, he, brought, he, brought a foreign, he brought a foreign object into the fight, see? He got the ray good. <laughs> Well, guys, before before we get into the final part of this interview, which is the game show challenge, where yours truly, Ooh. the Night Owl, gets to go one-on-one with the Giant Assassin and a little bit of a, a trivia challenge, I did have one last question for you, sir. Uh, and that is in regards to how we started the show. You, you, I know you weren't listening. It's okay. We, um, we played a, a short clip of the late, great Hacksaw Butch Reed. Uh, obviously, it's Black History Month. Um, so we wanted to take a moment to highlight not just because he passed away, but the fact that, you know, he made such an uh, uh, impact in the world of professional wrestling, opened so many doors, him, Ron Simmons, and, and the rest of the boys. Um, what memories did Andy was a chief, of, wasn't he? What? Andy was a chief, wasn't he? What do you mean? A, oh, Kansas City Chief, that's right. He was a football player as well. There yes, you go, 100%. man. I hope that's one 100%. of the trivia questions, because I just got one. Oh, it's on fire. We haven't even started well, yet. Well, you got to change up the game show. Hang on. You guys do that. i got to change up the question. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. No, no, it's perfect. No no worries. So do you have any memories of Hacksaw, either in person or just from watching him on TV, that you might be able to, to share with the listeners? Well, you know, unfortunately, I don't. I never worked the show with him. I never had the opportunity to meet him. Uh, I just know, you know, I saw him a few times, in, you know, as, as a worker. And, and you know, I, you know I, I, I don't have a lot. You know, there's not a lot that comes to memory. But, I, like I said, I never met him in person. 
I have more memories of the people I actually met, you know what I mean, and, and actually worked on shows with. But, uh, I'm, uh, you know, he, 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 made a, he made a name for himself, so he's doing something yeah. right, right? So, you know, that's the, that's the uh, you know, I'm sorry I don't know more about the guy. I, you know, I probably should. Okay. I don't, you know. Yeah. No, it's all right. And, and, well, it, and I'll it, tell you what, I, I have to admit, living in Kansas City, I didn't know much about Butch either before his passing. And, and that's why I think there's a beauty to what we do, because whether we're new school guys or old school guys, we still have this ability to share information with each other, right? That's like the, the beauty of the Internet or the beauty of being able to relate to people because we have something in common, which is pro wrestling. So no heat from us because you don't know anything about Butch, but I will say this, much like yourself, the dude made a tremendous impact, and much like yourself, he's a good old Midwestern boy. And you know what? The fact that you were honored in 2020 uh, for the Midwest Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, I think just speaks volumes. Uh, the interview has lived up to, to all expectations. <laughs> and, and like I said, when I heard just I, I started to kind of do my own research. Uh, shout out to Luke Roberts who helps us with all that stuff as well. But when I started doing my own research, I was like, this is the kind of guy. This is you're cut from that Tracy Smothers kind of cloth where you ask the dude a question and you never know where it's going to end. But but that's a good thing, not a bad thing. So don't ever apologize for that. It, those tangents that you go on, uh, Giant Assassin, is exactly why people love you. I hope you understand that. We love you well, for you know, that not, reason. You know, I. I you know, nowadays you have to be so politically correct and things you say. Not on this show, goddamn. I mean, the cancel culture. <laughs> you're like, you know, I like midget wrestling. I don't even think you can say midget anymore, can you? But <laughs> I, guess, I like I, I like the midget wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I guess. What? That used to be some of my favorite. I was always glad when I got to a show and they were on the show. My favorite part of the night, man. <laughs> Dude, we've you had know, um, <laughs> we've had short sleeve Samson. On the show like two times already. We love midget wrestling too. Just so you know. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> one, of the, well, Jer- one of the best things. Jeremy, ever. I know. I know. Uh, excuse. Sorry about that, Jeremy. I know we got to get into the game show challenge, bro. Did you have anything else for the assassin before we get into that, bro? I just had one thing to say. Uh, you know, you were talking about politically correct and watch what you say on the show, which obviously, as you can tell, we haven't done that we one damn care. bit. We the only care. thing that we have to watch on this uh, on the show apparently is what music we use. That's the only thing. Oh, Renee knows. Yeah. <laughs> Renee yeah. knows what I'm talking about. We've gotten flagged so much you think we're at the Daytona 500 or playing in the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fucking <laughs> bullshit! <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're killing yeah. me. That was good. I like this guy. <laughs> I don't have a. I don't. I don't collect cards, but I got GI Joes. <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah buddy. Hey, hey, memorabilia is collectibles is collectibles. That's how I look at yeah. it. Yeah, I hear yeah. you. I like that. Uh, hey, I you, stuff, you know. You, hey, I think you would like yeah. this. Um, I, I think you would like this giant assassin. Uh, we were talking to our buddies from uh, Retro Zone last week, or I think it was the. Um, the big Skype call that we did for Royal Rumble, I actually have a Titan Sports 1984 Nikolai Koloff action figure, the old school one. Oh, my gosh, to, yeah. Yeah, if you get a chance Nick to watch the video back on uh, the Wrestle Talk Podcast Facebook page, make sure you check in about two hours into the show. 
I'm putting up onto the camera. This thing is, I, I love it. It doesn't matter. G.I. Joe's, wrestling action figures, collect it. It doesn't matter. At some point, you either be able to sell it, keep it, or hand it down to somebody. So it doesn't really sure, matter what it sure. is, man. We love our history here sure. on the Rest of the Talk podcast. Yeah. Oh, I remember seeing him at the arena when uh, Larry Matisek was starting to run some shows at the arena instead of going to Keel. He, he was on a couple shows there. Yeah, him and Iron Sheik was that in there. I, I see. I, that was a long time ago, man. <laughs> see, I was actually, I was actually, I was actually going to shows in 1984, man. That, that tells you how old I am. <laughs> Bad freaking ass. I feel Bad, like we can. In fact, you guys like got go me up an hour past my bedtime. Hell yeah! Well, you know what? Let's go ahead and close <laughs> it out, then, Jeremy. You know what to do, baby. Kick us in tonight's edition uh, of the Wrestle Talk right. Podcast Game Show Challenge. Let's do this, Hardcore Hoss. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Hoss, hit the music. I Jeremy. love it. I, I'm Jeremy, I'm, Jeremy, yes. wait, before you go, before you go, I want to say this. Assassin, this is the level of respect that you have in the pro wrestling community. We just got a message live on the Facebook stream for Herb Simmons, and these are his words, not mine. He says, tell the Assassin I will book him back in a show. So take that as you will. <laughs> the fans yeah. are still <laughs> demanding. Some giant assassin, ladies and gentlemen, courtesy of SICW and the wonderful folks down uh, in southern Illinois. You got to love hearing that, right? That's fantastic. Oh. Tell her thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> oh, he said no. <laughs> he said no thank you. That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. There's, wow. there's, no problem, there's no problem getting into the ring at my age. It would be getting out that's the problem. See what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we can we can just roll you out how they roll me out of the bar nowadays. You know, they just roll me out of the barrel. Hey, that's hey, how we'll get you out of there. <laughs> Take the slide. <laughs> oh, <that's... laughs> All right, Jeremy, do your thing, Daddy. All righty. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's installment of the world-famous Talk Podcast Game Show Challenge. Tonight's contest is scheduled for the best two out of three falls. Our contestants for the evening are Midwest Independent Wrestling Hall of Fame Class of 2020 inductee, the Giants Assassin, and the Talk Podcast's own, the Night Owl, Renee Martinez. In a few moments, I will ask you each Three questions about a particular wrestling topic. Whenever you think you know the answer to the question, just shout out your answer. The first person to win two falls will win tonight's game show challenge. Now, in honor of tonight's guest, the WrestleTalk Podcast Game Show Challenge category is multi-time world champions. I will give information about three famous professional wrestlers who held major professional wrestling heavyweight championships on more than one occasion. When you think you know who I am talking about, like I said, just please shout out your answer. The first person to get two correct 
will win tonight's contest. Renee, are you ready? Two out of three falls, right? Two out of three falls. That is correct. Let's do it. I'm ready. All right, Johnny somebody Johnson, take, are you ready? taking an ass whipping tonight. Let's go. <laughs> oh, Let's go. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. All righty. Here we go, gentlemen. Question number one. This professional wrestler and WWE Hall of Famer held 16 major world heavyweight championships. Ric Flair. Six. No, it is not Ric Flair. Six in the WWF slash E, six in WCW, and one IWGP championship. He led the charge for the WWF in the 1980s and the charge for WCW in the mid-1990s. Hulk Hogan. Hogan is correct. All right. <laughs> Night Owl is up one zip. All right, here we go with question number two. <laughs> it is still anybody's game. Question hey, number if two. I guess and miss, if I guess and miss, am I out? No, 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 no. You can guess. guess it. Okay. It's unlimited. Well, yeah, I wasn't I didn't go any farther because I felt once I got my guess I was out. I didn't know it anyway, but I just wanted to act like I <laughs> knew something. Go ahead. <laughs> wait, wait. I love I love how I love how the giant hedged his bet but then said he didn't know it anyway. That's that's honest. Yeah, I love that. I, I, hell, I well, didn't this know is what I love more. Right he went for the traditional wrestler and Ric Flair. And then the one he didn't know was Hulk Hogan. That's the that's what I love most about. <laughs> hey, 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 Jeremy, just for the sake of Drake going back and listening, where does Hulk Hogan come from again? Well, Hulk Hogan is definitely <laughs> not from Florida. No. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, question number two. Let's go. Okay, Jake Lee's going to kill us when he comes back. Anyway, question oh, number no. two. <laughs> Many professional wrestling fans know this wrestler as a technician and also as a tag team specialist. In addition to three reigns as a tag team championship member, he has held six world heavyweight championships, five in the WWF and one in WCW. A two-time WWE Hall of Famer. This wrestler has been quoted to call himself. I'll go with Bret Hart. Well, that, that's what he called himself. Is Bret Hart is correct. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Suck it, baby. Damn. It all hey. comes down to this, boy. It all comes hey. down to this. Oh, man. Hey. All righty. You getting hot under the collar, Renee? Hey, man, my cheeks are squeezed real tight right now. All right, man. Hey, you can tap out. You can tap out anytime, Jack. Come on. Let's go. All right, let's go. All right. Here we go, boys. This is for all the marbles. Question number three. This third-generation professional wrestler. Randy Orton. Randy Orton is not correct. Damn you. This (laughs) third-generation. This third-generation professional wrestler held 10 World Heavyweight Championships, eight in the WWE, and two WCW championships. He went from being one of the most iconic professional wrestlers of the Attitude Era 
to one of the most prolific actors in Hollywood. The Rock. John Cena. The Rock is correct. What did I just say that? I said the Rock. DJ Khaled. All I do is win, 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 no matter what. Got money on my mind, I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody hands go up. And they say that. I do the best I can do. 
Giant Assassins, on behalf of my, myself, Renee Martinez, the Night Owl, Jeremy Carp, the Maestro, and the rest of the Wrestle Talk podcast team, man, thank you so much. All the best to you in 2021. Stay healthy and keep talking shit, brother. All right, man. Be well, I'll my see you. Thank you, well. well. Good night. Good night. Good night. Jeremy, Good night. why don't you go ahead and close this out, bro? Oh, man, I'm still trying to catch my breath. What, R- Renee, let me just tell you something. These next few shows, I mean, show we do, we love. We love what we do. But I'm telling you, this next few weeks, it's going to be amazing. Like, these are going to be some must-see, must-listen-to shows. I'm excited. This is Hall of Fame run, baby. Well, I I will say this real quick on a personal note, bro. I'm not going to be here probably for, like, the next three weeks. Um, i got a lot going on. It's not all bad. Some of it's really good. Um, but I won't be here. And, and here's the beauty of it, guys. You guys are going to be in great hands. From our um, uh, our media director, uh, Luke Roberts, uh, audio engineer, uh, Hardcore Hoss, to all the hosts, starting with, with the uh, creator, Nightmare Jones, to myself, and, and of course, our, our two newest guys, Jeremy Carp and Drake Lee. Uh, the rest of Talk podcast, whether... We've got eight or 800 people listening every single week. I think we bring something different to the table. And, and I know I was doing a lot during the show today. You guys can probably tell I was typing. I was telling the guys that how amazing that there's so many cool people like Mr. Big, Giant Assassin, and the list goes on and on, of guys that I don't think get the exposure that they should. Like, like you talk about, like, at least where I came from, um, and, and I'm just pulling back the curtain a little bit, I'm kind of from kind of a rough background a little bit. And we listened to our OGs, and we heard their stories, and we took what they showed us. And, and it wasn't always good, but we always took it to heart because we're like, well, those guys have been there. I think that that's a, a lost thing nowadays. I think everybody's just doing for – trying to go for whatever's hot and, and forgetting that there's there, – everything's, everything's building, right? Like from the very first generation to this generation, it, it, like we're ascending. And we are literally standing on the shoulders of giants when we do this show, because let me tell you something, Jeremy, we would not be where we are today where WWE is getting a deal with Peacock, you've got Impact, AEW, New Japan Pro Wrestling, AAA, all working together, you've got uh, Internet Wrestling TV. none of that would be possible without the type of guys that we've talked to today, like Mr. Big and the Giant Assassin. It all ties back to the history, and we're always, always going to give them their flowers and pay them their respect right here on the WrestleTalk podcast, bro. Uh, your final thoughts before we go. You know, you talk about instead of, you know, doing something, instead of doing what's hot, fad is just one letter short of fade. And if you just go for what's hot, you know, eventually it'll just it dissipate. You know, it won't be there. But we've been here for years. You know, I've been appearing on this show since about 2016, 2017, but it wasn't obviously till last year I got this great opportunity to permanently be a co-host alongside you guys. You know, you and the o- I call him the OG of the WTP. That's Nightmare Jones himself, and it's a great honor for me. You know, a lot of you know you talk about growing up and everything. Growing up, I was told a lot of my work was generic. You know, because I might not have had the book smarts to get things done in the world, and you know, I just had the right opportunities come up, and, you know, I couldn't be more grateful for you guys, 
for the people that believe in me and for my team members at Interstate 70 Sports Media. So that's, Amen. that's my thought. <laughs> Amen. And let me keep it simple like a teenage pimple because it's about to pop off. Nerds, we rule the world, damn it. Period, point blank. Hoss, we love you, brother. Go ahead, the music. Episode 332 of the Rest of Talk podcast. Well, I'm sorry, 332 of the Rest of Talk podcast <laughs> is in the books. We love you. God bless you. And we Peace and love, everybody. WrestleTalkPodcast.com. You heard me. We're done. Closing. That's uh, Sanity with a five. Not an S. Number five. Big Sanity. Look him up. Tell him WrestleTalk sent you, baby. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Alright. Chill. Hey, baby. Baby, I'm gon' hit a strike. Alright. Hitting numbers like some dice. I hit it like I'm at you looking nice. That pussy be on point, so I'm precise. You help me find my way about a maze. You be shining like the moon in sun rays. You make me wanna pray in church on Sundays We count this money up and call it for a play We gon' take the world and make it spin Every day we fall in love again I could be Clyde, you could be Bonnie You got that bomb, girl, you can bomb me You drive me crazy, keep it cruising When I hear your voice, it's like music If I play games with you, I lose it if I like you, I'd be stupid, yeah. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now. Baby, I'm gon' get you right. Baby, I'm gon' get you right now Baby, you the type I like